the Blast from Our Past Network. Lock your doors, close your windows, turn out your lights, for chills and thrills await you. It's time for Podcasting After Dark with your hosts, Corey Stevenson and Zach Schaefer. Stay with a friend, say your prayers as grisly ghouls close in to seal your doom. Tonight's episode, Heavy Metal, stars Richard Romanus, John Candy, and Joe Flaherty. Welcome to the first official episode of Podcasting After Dark. I'm Corey. I'm Zach. And we are your hosts for this fun little adventure down, I don't know, uh, cult, cult Lane, I guess? Yeah. Splattery, boop-filled Cult Lane? Get your front row ticket to midnight. Ooh, baby. <laughs> Call it heavy metal. Dude, how was that soundtrack, man? Oh my God. So fucking good. So when I, as a kid, I know we'll get into this in a moment, but just want to jump in and say, oh, yeah. as a kid, I always heard that song on the radio and not always connecting it to the movie because I didn't know about the movie and didn't see it until later because we'll talk about when it came out. But um, I always thought, oh, that's going to be the opening track to the movie. But it wasn't. And we'll get to that later. But <laughs> I was kind of surprised and disappointed. A little little, little bit of both, right? Yeah. <laughs> so the, the movie that we're doing is Heavy Metal. It uh, came out in 1981. It was produced by Ivan Reitman. And it's based on a like a UK... Um, sci-fi anthology magazine. I used to read it back in the day as a kid, it, mainly because it had boobies in it. <laughs> <laughs> and my older brother, who I'll be dropping references to him a lot throughout this because he was the one that turned me on to heavy metal. Uh, he was the one that read about the boobies and had them plastered all over his walls. And I come in and I'd be like, you know, after playing with my G.I. Joes, what is all this? Oh, my gosh. Cartoon boobies are yeah. awesome. What is this? And he'd be like, get out of my room. And I grabbed some magazines before I left. And I'd look through his heavy metals and go, whoa, this is cool. Yeah, my, my introduction to heavy metal was my stepdad had a couple issues in the basement. Uh, <laughs> is it always the stepdad? It's always the stepdad, <laughs> dude. Um, and uh, But he was a big fan of the movie, so... It was like a big deal for him to see it. And because I remember as a kid, it was hard to find because the rights issue with the music and everything. So like you could only sort of see it like on Cinemax or HBO or something, but it wasn't out on VHS no. even in, until like I think the late 90s because of uh, the the rights with the music. But we'll just we'll start getting into all of that stuff. Um, basically, just so you guys know, it's our first episode. So what we're going to do is just do an overall talk about what our feelings about the movie are. And then we're going to go sort of scene by scene, break it down, and then just interject as we go along. So you, if you guys haven't seen it in a while, you can follow along. You can, you know, check it out. If you've, if you've never seen it, I would recommend pausing the podcast and maybe going to watch it first yeah. but if you haven't seen it since you were a kid this will be sort of a fun way to keep up you know you won't have to rewatch it because we're gonna kind of go through it with you yeah this will be heavy on spoilers so if you're expecting a podcast that's gonna give you a blanket review with no spoilers you came to the wrong place but yeah. still listen to it anyways yeah we're, we're digging in deep on this one yeah. for sure so so your first time seeing this do you do you remember when and oh I, yeah as i ask you this question i actually don't know if i remember my first time seeing this movie but um um, I do remember like it's sort of a, a window of time, you know, but what was your first experience with this? Yeah. So, <laughs> and I'm not throwing my brother under the bus in any way. He, he would back your me up brother. on this, but he loved recording stuff off TV, specifically, you know, nudie bits from movies. And, uh, and it was always the love scene from the Harry Cannon 
part of the mo- of the uh, episode of the movie, and uh, I would say, "What is this?" Over and over, it would be looped, and so uh, that's my first introduction. But I think I actually started watching it. It was on Cinemax late night. I I'm, I either caught it late at night or in the morning. I don't remember, but I remember watching the Harry Cannon episode, and that's what really drew me in. And I only watched that first ep- part episode the first time. Um, and then, yeah, it was hard to find on, on VHS. And I think it eventually came out in the video stores until like the mid eighties. I, early I thought I read online that it didn't come out on VHS until like 96 actually. Wow. Really? And I remember my stepdad was very excited about that happening. Like, you know, when it was actually coming out, but yeah, I, I don't know if it was on Laserdisc before that, uh, the, the whole rights thing. But I do remember that the, the music is what held it up because yeah. it has songs from like Blue Oyster Cult in it. Oh, the, um, the, yeah. The amount of bands. Well, the, the amount of you said it was produced by Ivan Reitman. The amount of actors that went on to become really popular names and bands, uh, it's pretty prolific. That soundtrack was almost more popular than the movie at the time yeah i would say maybe well i think at this day and age it's got a cult status and so people kind of know the movie but growing up man yeah the the soundtrack guys i think was more popular than maybe the movie itself and i remember i've i've owned that soundtrack on cassette twice uh because i lost it so i had to rebuy it and i remember i used to when i was mowing the yard is when i would listen to fucking heavy metal the soundtrack (laughs) and uh and i think i've i bought it at least once on cd and now it's like it's not on Spotify, but people um, people have created like you know the album in a playlist yeah. sort of. Yep. But it doesn't have all the songs to it. No, you can. I mean, you can you can not to plug them, but you can go on iTunes and get the whole album. But then you got to download download the whole album, right? And you know there are some tracks on there that are definitely hit or miss. But the opening track is Sammy Hagar again, thinking the the movie was going to start with that song. Um, I love that song, by the way. Amazing. Is that the one that's from the B fifty the, the the Flying Fortress scene with the zombies? Is that when they use that one? Take uh, a ride on heavy metal. No, it's actually uh, it's 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 around the 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 robots. Oh, and, and when they kidnap the girl. That's right. And, yes, yeah, that segment. And that's when it, and that's again why I'm thinking this song needs to be earlier in the movie. But yeah. you open with I think they open with Blue Oyster Cult actually. Uh, the first track, the car falling from the yeah from space and yeah. everything. I, wasn't that Radar Rider? Radar, radar. Oh yeah, radar. actually, I think so. Yes, yeah. and that's by a band called or a guy called Riggs. Yeah, <laughs> Riggs. Riggs and Murtaugh will be a great band name. <laughs> Just saying. <laughs> You're but not yeah, wrong. you've got Journey, you've got Grand Funk Railroad, Cheap Trick, Black Sabbath, uh, Black Sabbath with with Ronnie James Dio on vocals. And I, I think, think that was the that's the Mob Rule song, isn't yes. it? I think yeah, that's <laughs> that's a great, great song. That's a fantastic oh, fucking song. Stevie Nicks and uh, Devo. Well, Devo had their you know that Where, that was the working in the coal mine, wasn't it? Yep. I think yeah. yes. And they're actually in the movie technically. You know, oh, they're the band, they're aren't the band. they? Yeah. Until with the the Tarna scene at the end. Okay, and then you've got a little Nazareth and Nazareth and Donald Fagan. Yeah. But for you Steely Dan fans uh, <laughs> out there, Steely Dan fan, uh, yeah, which would be it ain't me, that one fan of it is. I you. love Steely Dan, but you know, whatever. I might I might know them if I know their 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 music. Now, just so you guys know a little bit about us, I, I'm a I'm an all visual artist type of guy. So like music wise, I'm not uh, as noticing of things, right? Like 
I don't listen to a lot of soundtracks, to be truthful. This is actually one of the few soundtracks that I really? just thought was amazing. Um, it, it's up there as one of my favorites, um, up there with The Crow. I love oh, The Crow soundtrack. soundtrack. Yeah. But for the most part, I don't usually go out of my way to listen to soundtracks, and I kind of don't pay attention to scores and movies and stuff. Um, but as a kid, this one just blew me away because it was just so driving. And when me and my wife were watching the movie this morning, she uh, she watched it with me. Uh, like I mean, I was just humming and tapping and singing along with it, and I just I love those fucking songs, yeah. Yeah, the, the, the songs, I, I, I'm I'm somewhat of the opposite where the visuals and the music to me go hand in hand. Like I was obsessed with Miami Vice when I was a kid and everything was a music video. That's kind of how I live my life to this day <laughs> that everything has a soundtrack to it. So I was obsessed with every soundtrack. That's why, again, I, I felt like there was a little bit of a disconnect at times because there are some songs that feel a little disjointed and like, why did they put that song there? Because it doesn't make sense. But that being aside soundtracks rule my life to this day. I mean, whether it's, it's, and it's mostly stuff from the eighties, but like you said, the crow is definitely up there. And it's funny that, that you said, you know, you're, and you're watching this movie from more of a, a newer standpoint. You haven't seen it since you were a kid. Yeah. That was the last time I saw it. Yeah. And, and we mentioned that on the intro episode. I don't know if we actually mentioned it on this episode, because we just recorded them like two minutes apart. <laughs> so I'm kind of like, what, what, what are we talking about on the intro episode versus this one? But, uh, I've seen it. A sh- I've seen this movie a shit ton growing up. Like I watched this movie once it used to be like once every like maybe two years oh, and then a I, christmas story movie it was it's basically like a christmas story <laughs> yeah uh but I, I hadn't actually seen it probably in about nine nine or ten years at this point wow. i think okay um so it's been a while but yeah. it's still i think much more fresher in my head than it is yours and you know you you, you say like okay yeah, it's weird that this song was here, but I'm watching and I'm like, oh yeah, no, that makes sense that that song's there because that song's always been there. And you yeah. know what I mean? In yeah. my head. And I'm just like, oh, I don't even notice it, you know? But like, yeah, one song like The Mob Rules, it actually fits totally because fits. that's that's what's sort of happening. Yep. But then there's like a song I think they played during the, the Captain Stern scene that it didn't really fit with what was happening and stuff. But yeah, maybe they just threw it in. But for me, it's still, but for me, it's that nostalgic. It's like, oh no, but that's where that song goes because that song's always gone there. <laughs> As long as I can remember. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I can totally see that. I, I, I think I was, um, as a kid watching this movie and knowing that it came from a comic book, overall, a magazine, not a comic book. And I not think that's what was, what was jarring to me as a kid was thinking that all these episodes should be connected in a kind of a different continuity I, I watching it now made total sense but as a kid i was like but wait that didn't look like the last one and this looks different i don't i don't get it you know? i was watching a documentary and even on there because uh, they were talking to ivan reitman and other people that are working on it but it looks like the documentary was made like 20 years ago and they were just talking about how they needed they actually didn't seem to really like the Lochnar, the you know the the bad guy the green globe yeah because it, it didn't really do anything but they yeah. needed something to connect everything together and i thought it works in fun ways you know but as an overall thing and i know my wife had a little bit of a problem with like how it sort of like ended we'll, we'll get to that though <laughs> yeah. um and, and whatnot but um as a kid i i remember seeing this on like HBO or Cinemax uh, during the summertime, I was real young, and I but I knew what it was, so I was excited to see it because I hadn't seen it. And the the Harry Canyon, the boobs, everything like that, just blew me away. 
And ever since then, I mean, I've been into hentai. Like, you know, like as a kid, <laughs> I'd go to the comic book conventions and I would be, and this is like, you know, early 90s, late, late, late 80s. And I'd go to comic book conventions back when they were just like a, a place in, like a, in the Marriott Convention Center, with, but just about dudes with like long boxes, you know? Yeah, when it was meant to be just comics. Just comic book. No, no nothing yeah. else. And I would get all these like underground New York comics, these black and white oh, comics yeah. from the 80s, um, from like Air Cell and, uh, Barry Blair used to draw oh, yeah. them like Air Warlock Cell. Five. Yeah, dude, I, I actually love Air Cell. I one of my I'm gonna put this out there into the universe. One of my dreams in life is to actually do a biography on Barry Blair from from Air Cell Comics. Cool. And not too many people know who he is, and he's one of my favorite artists of all time. He passed away like I think like 15 years ago or something. But I feel like he's gonna fall into obscurity, and I would just love to like do some kind of like maybe podcast like documentary on him or if something. If you will, it it will come. Exactly. Yes. I believe in that shit. That's yes. why I'm putting it out there. Put it out there. <laughs> Do it, do it. The secret. Yeah, I, I think, uh, I, and again, my mindset was a little bit different going into it. Just want, I, I was stimulated by the visuals. And then as a kid, like pre-puberty, looking at this going, whoa, why why should I be feeling this way? What's going on <laughs> why, why are my pants getting yeah, tight? right. And then Lochnar at the time, not even really paying attention to that. But I didn't, now yeah, I didn't watching even care. It, going, yeah, clearly there was... To my, in my opinion, there had to be copious amounts of weed and possibly cocaine, cocaine going around, and they needed something to pull that in. And while that it would be considered a shortcoming nowadays, the movie totally gets away with it back then because you could get away with it. Back then, people were like, yeah, whatever. Now there's so many fanboys that tear things up and down. Like, well, yeah, but his shoe was tied on the other foot. You yeah. know, now it's like, no, we let all that stuff go back in 1981. Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah. And when you also didn't have a thousand million, I should say a million people yelling their opinions at you. You yeah. kind of just had your, your friends to talk about it with. And Can you imagine they would be changing the uh, the look of every character like Sonic the Hedgehog? I know. Oh, well, that's that's probably for the better. Yeah, though. and he, I applaud he, that. By he the looked way, like a so. blue nightmare. So. Yeah, he did. <laughs> he does. But yeah, yeah. So let's uh, let's get into the movie. This is Heavy Metal, 1981. So we start with this really cool ass like like opening credits. Yeah, oh. in, in the opening credits are basically a astronaut driving his Corvette out of a space shuttle into low orbit. Through you know into the atmosphere, then lands on the ground and drives home. That's, go, yes, that's the opening credits. Like, let's discuss, but that's really all you need about the opening credits. I think they're fucking amazing. <laughs> it's 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 amazing. Yeah, I, I, I the the and again, uh, I felt like heavy metal would by Sammy Hagar would have been the perfect song for that. But the song was still badass in its own way. But uh, SpaceX. Totally, totally paid an homage to that when they launched their their car into space. And I remember, you know, a lot of people drawing <laughs> so those awesome. those those parallels with heavy metal and in this. And I, dude, Elon Musk has to had to have seen the movie. He has had to, to be, be a, a heavy metal fan because yeah. yeah. the the spaceman that he sends into space looks like the same kind of like it had that very. You know what was it like? Late seventies astronaut suit. You yeah, know? it had the it had the uh, moon landing. You know Neil Armstrong look to it. Yeah, and, it and, was definitely like an older style, and I feel like that's what Elon Musk's spaceman even like sort of looked oh, yeah. like. You know, yeah, it's a huge homage. Yeah, and I remember it's so funny watching this now, thirty years later, because I, I'm I hadn't seen it since I was a kid, and now watching it now, going, 
oh, wait, Elon Musk did that. And then I had to like almost smack myself going, no, wait. <laughs> no, wait, Ivan Reitman did that Ivan first. Reitman did that. That's pretty awesome that, you know, this, 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 uh, they actually launched this guy into space. Thank God he didn't bring a green ball back to Earth. I know, bring, bring the Lochnar back, <laughs> yeah. back with him. But it, it, it was so fucking cool. Apparently they used the, the, the artist who did the intro for this actually suspended a Corvette from like wires oh, in, cool. in like a garage type of scenario because this movie's very rotoscoping like centric. Yes. There's a lot of rotoscoping in this movie. And if My you guys favorite don't type of animation, me too. I love it too. But if, if you all don't know what that is, it basically it's you film an actor doing something like running or whatever. And then you draw over them, the, the character doing that. So you get extremely fluid movement popularized by he man, of course. Exactly, exactly. Like anytime you ever saw He-Man run or whatever, that was all rotoscoping. Yeah. Um, I'm doing it, by the way, while uh, you can't see it, but I'm doing it. I saw it, yeah, and now I can never unsee it. <laughs> <laughs> I just picture your head on, on He-Man's body. <laughs> but uh, but apparently, someone say He-Man? Uh, He-Man. But uh, apparently, so he, he filmed like all the shots of how he wanted the, the car to like rotate and everything, and then they sort of you know drew over it, obviously. But that's what gives it that weird little stuttery look. Yeah. You know, like every frame yeah. has been hand-painted, sort yeah. of, but yet at the same time, so 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 fluid and so smooth. Yeah, it, it definitely felt like you, uh, you're... A lot of art... You can tell a lot of artists were influenced by this, and it felt like I was at, a, at an art show watching some... It's art. It's not an animated movie. It's definitely you're definitely watching a piece of art. It, yeah, it does have more of an art house feel, even yeah. though you know. I guess the competition is obviously Disney at the time, right? And and it just it had this. I guess because of the lower budget, it just had like an art house feel to it. And I feel like nothing really looks this way even now. And and no. you know, it, it kind of had. Like it reminds me of movies like Wizards and Fire, you know, and, Fire Ice. and Ice, and I used to be a big fan of the old Ralph Bakshi yeah. stuff and uh, Don Bluth and things like that, and it just, it, but it feels like it still feels like its own thing. Yeah. Like Heavy Metal, you know, the movie it, it stands on its own as as its own sort of beacon of artistic hope, I guess, totally. <laughs> <laughs> to some some eight year old kid, you know. Um, and so, so the you find out that. The astronaut guy, he drives up to this house, and it, he, his daughter is there. I mean, he just drives really right up to his house from space. <laughs> He's still in his astronaut suit. You know, his daughter greets him. She's all excited. And he basically says, I brought you something, pulls out, like, this space-looking briefcase and opens it up. And the Lochnar is in there, the, which you don't know it's called the Lochnar yet. It's this green ball. Yep. And it immediately melts the dad. Yeah. <laughs> which was awesome. <laughs> It was amazing. I loved it. Well, I think I was like more shocked now than I was when I was a kid. I was like, whoa, I did not expect that. And it's it's, it's very, grotesque. It's grotesque. It's it's yeah. gruesome. It's it's a lot of the deaths in this are very, very gruesome. Yes. They don't they don't hold back. No. <laughs> Just like they don't hold back with the nudity or the sex. The yeah. same thing with, with you know the the violence. Oh, it's balls to the wall. Mm-hmm. No doubt. And so this, you find out this is basically what they're using to bookend the anthology uh, story nature of this movie. Now, if you haven't, if you've never seen Heavy Metal, it's an anthology. It's an animated anthology film. Every story inside the movie, they're they're different, different art styles, different directors, different writers. But this this green ball is what ties like everything together, for better or worse. You know, as far as things go. Yeah, at first I was like, okay, well, actually, I was totally drawn into the Lochnar, and I was drawn into its voice. It's voiced by. Um, Oh gosh, his name's uh, Percy Rodriguez, and I'm like, I know this guy's voice from something, 
and it was all the movie trailers of the 70s and 80s, a lot of horror films. That's why his voice sounded familiar. If you look up his resume, I think his most famous trailer was Jaws, but he had such an iconic voice to me that that's what drew me in, and having it be so horrific and also already a creepy voice I was like yes let's do this let's go hardcore horror on on, on the whole movie but and, it doesn't obviously and to me i mean he's perfect he yeah. you know like i like his i love his voice <laughs> me too. It, as much as i don't always love the Lochnar as a antagonist mm-hmm. i love his voice and it's iconic to me at this point but yeah, that's really cool though. I did not know that he was the guy who did all those. And now yeah. I can hear it. Now I can fucking hear it. Yeah, if you if you look up the, all the best horror films of that time, you know, Don LaFontaine was like the big budget guy, and this guy did some of the smaller ones. But yeah, the Lochner for me was so creepy. And yeah, the, to keep that as the 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 the, the connecting rod through every. The connective tissue. It doesn't always hold up, but for the most part, I think it's, you know, it's fine. It it, it does its job. Yep. And and yeah, I, th- I think at the end of the day, it does what it's supposed to do and give you some kind of cohesion to the entire thing. Yeah. Was it an afterthought? Well, it was a cool afterthought. Yeah. It was, it was definitely a neat afterthought. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, so we go now, he, he starts basically telling the daughter that, you know, um, I'm evil. I, everything's you know blah 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 i'm yeah. an evil thing and let me show you you know what happens when people you know blah 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 he's it's, the creep from creep show he's yeah. the the crypt keeper from uh, tales from the crypt yeah, he, he's just basically he's he's gonna just show her stories where he basically corrupts people and and i guess to just show her what's going to happen to her right yeah. um so now we we cut to our first story which a lot of people i think consider one of the better ones uh it's the harry yeah. canyon uh one and probably it's, out of all of them not my maybe not my favorite but close to favorite yeah yeah i'm i'm saying i think the tarna ones is probably my favorite and the b52 flying fortress ones yeah are, is awesome so um we cut to a dig site on you know a, it looks like a desert you know could be alien it, it's it's so far in the future that it could be alien but it's earth and you know they dig up this green ball and I like when like one of the little helpers goes down to grab the ball and then he gets melted. <laughs> melted you, too. You know, it My basically the, in this story, the, the Lochnar sort of behaves differently in every, um, every short story. Yes. In this one, and it's a different size. So this one's about the size of a basketball yeah. and it creates a green glow around you that kills you. That's what, that's what the Lochnar does in this story. Yeah. And we'll talk about what it does in other stories too. I think that's a, a fun way to sort of track its powers, sure. if you will. Yeah. <laughs> I, didn't, <laughs> I didn't think about that until just now. So yeah, let's track the Lochnar's powers, okay? Yeah. Um, so it's- right now, kills the dude. And then you see, uh, like, the scientist guy, you know, going, oh, my God, you know. <laughs> I think that might have been a direct quote, but I, I, I forget. <laughs> and this one's this one is obviously very heavily Mobius-influenced. Oh, yeah. Artist-wise. For sure. You guys have seen. He did a lot of work on Star Wars, um, a lot of design stuff. But you guys probably know him mostly from The Fifth Element. He... So the thing that he, the Mobius always does is gives people, these people these like cone hats. So if you think about the cops from Fifth Helmet, they have these helmets that kind of go straight up into like sort of a cone type of thing. Yeah, that's totally Mobius. You go go look go look him up. It, all his shit has that. I'm, I'm having this flashback to a cartoon in the '80s called It's from France called Spartacus and the Sun Beneath the Sea. Well, he's he's a French artist, so whoa whoa mind blown. If anyone is a fan of Spartacus and the Sun Beneath the Sea, or if you have never heard of it, check it out. I've never heard of it, so I'm going to check it out. Yeah, uh, <laughs> check it out. It's a late night viewing with heavy metal. Nice. Yeah. Perfect. Perfect. 
All right, so then we cut to um, basically our main character for this one, Harry Canyon. He's a he's a cab driver in New York, and I mean it's like New York in like hundreds of years. It looks like yeah, although it, I, it has a seventies vibe. Yeah, but it's obviously instead in the future. But and then the, and Harry is uh, yeah he's a he's a cab driver, and he's voiced by um, uh, Richard Romanus. Who, when I was a kid, I would always get him confused with Robert Romanus, who was um, Damone from Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Oh yeah, and they have the same almost cadence. Now, so are they related? I have a feel. I couldn't. I was trying to dig it up online. I couldn't find that they were, but they look awfully similar. They probably the, are. They probably are. Probably the older brother as well. So as a kid, I'm like, oh, it's Damone. Cool, because I love Damone. I love Robert Romanus, and so that made me like. Harry Cannon even more. See, as a kid, I, I didn't know his voice at all. Um, in this movie, I really only knew John Candy's voice. Okay. It, I think that's the most distinct. And I know, like, Eugene Levy's in this. Uh, I think he plays Captain Stern, but I still can't hear it. Yeah. Like, when, when he says stuff, I, I can't hear that it's Eugene Levy. Oh, this movie's filled with so many character actors, uh, of which I'm a huge fan. But, like, you know, we'll get to all of them later, but... As, as they sort of pop up. Yeah, yeah. Ivan Reitman used a lot of his uh, second, second City people. Yeah, when Joe he, Flaherty. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, yeah, he actually, I know. I know him. And, and John Candy, was he was a Second City uh, player, I think, yes. too. Yes, um, Yeah, so so we're introduced to, to Harry Canyon, who it's total, like, like 70s grungy, um, you know, New York filming type of, you know, you know that, that New York cabbie that they yeah. everyone did. I mean, it wasn't Taxi Driver, but it was that, like, gruff, you know, I've seen it all, yeah. nothing phases me anymore. Late 30s smoker, eats way yeah, too much. way too much, belly, totally out of shape. hairline. Doesn't give a shit about anything. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he, he lets a passenger in, into a car, into his car, and, you know, like, where do you want to go? And he's like, the U.N. building. And he makes a, a comment how the U.N. building, what a joke, it's been turned into a slum, basically. Yeah. It's, it, because the whole place is, like, overpopulated, and the, the cops suck, everyone sucks, pretty much. It's dirty, it's filthy, you know. And they use it to, like, make uh, jokes about illegal aliens, you know, aliens being actual aliens, yeah. you know. But you see here... The, the 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 fair the person that he picks up the punk kid actually holds him up like robs him from the back seat of his car and he's got this little lever it's so cool on the bottom of his of his like of his brake pad or yeah. something of yep. his car where basically lifts it up with his foot and then taps it and disintegrates you in the back seat that'll I, come into play later yes it will and I thought that was the Lochnar I'm like oh he has the Lochnar yeah you, that's oh, what I thought because yeah you're right the, the little the laser thing. thing was a circle yeah oh, that's a good point I didn't pick up on that yeah, yeah. oh nice. It was cool though. I, I liked it. I liked that oh, guy's so death. Cool. How you can see like his skeleton, and he kind of just fades away. And yeah, everything. they didn't. He didn't melt him. He just kind of vaporized him. Yeah, 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 yeah. That was a neat little. I thought that was cool. And how life is just so overabundant that who gives a shit? You know, you just kill somebody <laughs> and just move on. It very much reminds me of a of a comic book by Frank Miller and Jeff Darrow called Hard Boiled, where it was like this post apocalyptic future thing. I got it. I'll show it to you one day. It's really cool. neat, but it's very bleak. You yeah, know, like this is. Um, I got my notes here. By the way, I have like eight pages of notes. <laughs> he does. He has co- so I'm going to use the word copious again in the same uh, podcast. <laughs> yeah, copious we, notes. We might have uh, uh, the word copious being used a lot. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, then we cut to a girl being chased by some goons outside of a of a museum, and yeah. you, and you know she's she's pretty hot looking, and the and, goons are very goonish and thuggish looking. Yeah, kind very of Mr. goonish, Mr. Big, uh, what Kingpin esque. You know, sloppy. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, keep keep talking. 
<laughs> Actually, sorry, I, I, I'm going to keep talking. The head goon, the, the big slothy looking dude. Oh, yeah. Uh, he reminded me of Pizza the Hut from um, Spaceballs. And I thought, I wonder if that was a little bit of an homage in a way. Because they kind uh, of later Because you know, Spaceballs came out after this, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I, I, yeah I, he did look like Pizza the Hut a little bit. I was uh, a little like, okay, I see a little similarities there. Yeah. And he, he was fun. I, I liked the goons. They had personality to them, you know. Even though you're only going to be in this world for, what, 15 minutes total. It had a lot of personality. Um, the girl, <laughs> I liked her outfit. She was hot. Of course. But uh, you find out that her, her dad, um, was killed. He has the Loch Nahr. He was the the scientist guy at the beginning of the episode. Yeah. Uh, I call it episode. Uh, beginning of this story segment. segment. Story? Yeah. 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 What do you What do you call an anthology? What do you you call them segments? I get. I, I would say segment. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So at the beginning of the segment, the, the the guy that saw his little helper dude melt from the Loch Nahr, that was her dad. Yeah. So she's got the Loch Nahr now. She's running from these goons, and she's like, "Hey, Harry," you know. She gets into his cab, and then she passes out in the back, right? So he's got to take her to the cops, you know, because he's like, "Sure, why not? I'll do my due diligence. I'll take this passed out lady in my backseat to the cops." He's got morals. He's a good guy. He, uh, yeah. You he know, did, he is actually like he he's kind of the obviously this is like a neo noir. Uh, type film and, and 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 he's in every noir kind of movie or or story the hero is has somewhat of an anti-hero vibe to him he's not you know shining armor and riding on a white horse no no he definitely Rough. fills that archetype yeah. of of kind of not giving a shit sort of a, a devil may care sort of attitude you yeah. know or uh, no more like i've seen it all type yeah. of thing and it's i'm, I'm too old for this shit yeah, yeah i'm weathered man and he brings her to the precinct and and <laughs> dude i think i wrote the first thing i wrote down was there's a naked dude just hanging out in the precinct you know there's... i didn't see the naked guy yeah. <laughs> it's like when you first walk in and there's naked dudes in the background. Like, what the uh, hell is a naked? Like, I think I was too busy looking at the prostitutes. Yeah, there's prostitutes. And I don't know why I found the naked guy, but fascinating. But uh, <laughs> well, it's nice to know that there's still new shit you can find in it. Oh you yeah, know? that's that. I wouldn't call that an Easter egg, but uh, <laughs> or you call it two Easter eggs. Oh, it could be hey, Easter, uh, Easter Keister. How about hey, that? Hey. <laughs> Um, the cop that he talks to is a uh, voice by John Candy. Yeah. And, ah, dude, like, it's so weird how sort of prophetic it is. And I'm not going to say, because the guy, the cop almost acts like a mercenary. He's like, I'm going to tell you up front, it's a thousand dollars a day. Like, basically you have to pay the cops to, to do their job because yeah. everything is so corrupt. Everything is just so nasty and bad that, you know, they've, they're almost like mercenaries. And I was like, I feel like that's where we're going in at some point, possibly. Sadly. Yeah, you know, like <laughs> yeah. it, it, that was the one thing that's kind of like turning out to be sort of true. Yeah, these guys aren't going to do their job unless you incentivize it in some way. Exactly. Yeah, and and he, and they're wearing like really cool armor. Like they're totally decked out. They look very much like the the cops in Fifth Element. I'd say. Yes, I would agree. Yeah, yeah. They, they it's that uh, that post neo. Uh, futuristic vibe. Yeah, yeah, which I dig. I, yeah. I think that, that that's the kind of shit that we grew up on, man. Yeah. Like, that right there is, like, aesthetically, you know, what, what I, I sort of remember as a kid, like, reading comics and digging, like, that kind of shit. Um, so, of course, like, Harry's like, well, fuck you. Gives, gives the cop, like, a nickel or something, yeah. you know. It tells him to fuck off, basically. And I, I love how the cop's just like, mm, whatever, you know. Like, he's so fat that he doesn't even, like, bother chasing Harry down, you no. know. He's just like, I don't give a shit. He's like, whatever. I don't even know who this guy is. Yeah. I know who the guy is, but like, there's no, there's no reason why I should give a shit. Yeah. 
So, of course, Harry takes her back to his, uh, ho- not his hotel, his, his apartment, yep. his tiny little, you know, New York apartment. And he's like, uh, he's so nonchalant. He's like, you can just sleep on the couch, you know, whatever. Well, you know, no one's going to find you here, blah, 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 you know. Is that when uh, Open Arms started playing by Journey? Yeah, basically. Was, yeah, in. yeah. Yeah. And then because it leads right into, she's like, because total femme fatale, she's like, Harry, can I sleep with you tonight? And he's like, sure, kid. And, you know, she gets in the bed and she's naked and he's, he's like naked too and like i, I get well that's that. his bed yeah but i think as a kid i sleep naked <laughs> you do yeah okay <laughs> yes are you crazy <laughs> can't let my my dangles get all caught up in like some some underwear hey to each his own you know <laughs> I, I i i was i was like i think as a kid too because I've, I've never done that uh i i, I prefer like Having something hugging my body, like a safety blanket, <laughs> like something. <laughs> save me, <laughs> save me, keep me comfort. Um, but yeah, I remember the the hearing uh, J- uh, Steve Perry's vocals for Open Arms, and I'm Lying like, beside <laughs> you, it's pretty not accurate. But but <laughs> you. Okay, sorry. We're we gonna have karaoke now. Anyways, uh, and, and and thinking what what's happening right now? Oh, yeah, yeah. Just, they just go right right into it. And I forgot how quickly this movie moves. Well, yeah, you don't you don't get much time no. with any of these You're segments. Jumping in from one thing to another. It's it's like this this segment and the Tarna one are two of the long. Den is pretty long too, but they're not that long to be truthful. And I, I kind of wish I had tracked it, but. The movie, the fact that it's not even like an it's hour and a half, eighty six minutes. Yeah, it's it's not even ninety minutes. They're yeah. they're quick. Yeah. So you got to get right to the point. There's not a lot of room for subtlety in this movie. No. It's pretty much all there. Subtlety. And yeah. Not 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 heavy metals forte no. really. <laughs> it's forte is giant jugs. That's what heavy metals forte is, and it has it in spades in this movie. And as Harry says. Uh, uh, what does he say? I'm I gave her this st- stars and stripes forever or forever, something. Forever, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that scene was played on loop as a child. I'm yeah. not going to lie. I have masturbated <laughs> a lot to that scene. <laughs> one of the few, like one of the earliest sex scenes that I actually enjoyed. <laughs> I mean, it, it was that and uh, the Terminator one with uh, Linda Hamilton and uh, Michael Bean. Of course. I like that sex scene. I like when they, when, I like when she held the hand. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure we'll talk You're like, about what that. What is happening? What is happening? I don't need to know any where, of this. Where is this going right now? <laughs> but this, no, it's obvious. Like that. Yeah, there was. That was the first sex scene. There were a lot of people our age who've seen this movie because it was 81, and I didn't think I saw it until 82 or 83. It and it's rare kid. to have sex scenes in movie in cartoons too. Yeah, so. well, I think I saw Fritz the Cat around the same time. Okay, and that, but that was like animal sex, and for some reason, you know, Porky Pig without his pants on, you're like, yeah, whatever. It's Porky, he's half naked, but you don't think about it. Yeah, animals having sex. It was definitely, you know, my my brother would bring home uh, comics like cherry pop you know? i had yes i read those cherry yeah. cherry pop and yeah omaha the cat dancer yeah. and stuff like that and yep. i'm and and i remember seeing like early hentai before it was even considered hentai yeah. i guess and being like blown away by this this was the first time seeing like kind of normal people having sex <laughs> i guess <laughs> i don't know outside of an animal or an alien <laughs> so, i was like oh my gosh this is amazing <laughs> Kind of normal people having sex. I, I guess. Mean, she, I and the funny thing is, the women in this movie looked anything but normal. <laughs> I, I, I do have, uh, 
Yeah, okay. <laughs> I just wrote down in my notes that I rewound that scene about 100 times when I was a kid. Yeah. Probably yeah. wore out the VCR. Dude, dude, I'm not going to lie, man. That scene that scene gave me feels in my pants when I was a kid, for sure. <laughs> so the next day, of course, I mean, again, you got to remember, this is like a film noir one movie. So uh, this segment. So the next day, Harry wakes up. She's not there. Yep. Cops are banging on the door. You're like, okay, why, why, why do cops care all of a sudden, yeah. right? And now they're like, they're threatening him. Like, where is she? If you, you know, you better tell us. If not, we're going to kill you. So the the cops are clearly being paid off by you know somebody else. Yeah, the, uh, Rudnick. The Rud, yeah, Rudnick. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I should have watched it with uh, subtitles because I was like, I was like, is his name? Because later on, I'm like, is his name Hanover Fist or is it? You know, you know what I mean? Yeah, it's I was, Rudnick. Yeah, because I wrote so the, Rudnick, uh, aka Pizza the Hut. Okay, okay. So Rudnick is is the bad, the fat bad guy. Yeah. And so you know, so Harry's like, yeah, fuck you to the cops, you know. Which uh, that's the one thing I actually liked about his character. He did not give a shit about telling cops to go fuck themselves right to their <laughs> no. face. And that's such like a '70s New York cab driver attitude yeah. <laughs> they yeah. nailed that yeah he's so he's so he's such a cool i wouldn't call him an anti-hero per se because there's nothing really anti about him well maybe the fact that he kills people well no he's self-defense when he killed that guy in the cab he's like yeah. he's a hero but he doesn't just, care yeah well yeah he's an anti-hero i guess because yeah he killed the guy and the guy was going to kill him and but he doesn't feel bad about it he's no. just a, a day-to-day life in his shithole world yeah. you know yeah um yeah I, I like that too he was a very sort of yeah gray character kind of anti-hero-ish yeah um and then so so basically he he, he leaves the apartment after telling the cops and you know, whatever goes down to his car one of the goons from earlier is in the back seat you're like okay he's gonna zap that guy and the and the goons like you know wait a minute don't don't use your zapper button yeah wait he got a proposition for yeah you. so mm. yeah because fatty fatty arbuckle wants to uh <laughs> yeah. say hey he's gonna pay you know if, if if he knows that harry you know picked up the girl yep. and just tell her where she is and we'll pay you you yeah. know it's all good yeah. <laughs> you know and he puts the the cigar out in the the seat yeah the, so how I, I thought harry at that point was gonna vape him, but he didn't. Yeah, it, it would have been. Yeah, it would have been all over at that point if he did. So yeah. it would have been just done. But uh, then comes a really neat little scene that I enjoy, where he's basically getting um, a hot dog from a you know, vendor side vendor on the side of the road out of his car, and of course the vendor's like a robot, right? Yes, and oh, then it's Robbie the robot. It is Robbie the robot. There are a couple visual references uh, throughout the movie. Um, we'll talk about one later. Uh, Not the Robbie robot from the new Lost in Space. No, this is old school. For those of you who are not aware, Robbie the robot uh, is from like the fifties. Yeah, he, like we're talking like spinning antennas, you yes. know, type of like shit, you know. Yeah. Even before Lost in Space, he was from another uh, alien. He, uh, Forbidden Planet. Yes, thank you. With, um, what's his name uh, from Naked Gun? Oh, was in that. Leslie Nielsen. Yeah, yeah. I, I think he was in that. Yeah. I, I've been on, side note, I've been trying to track down Forbidden Planet. I've been wanting to see it for like 20 years for some reason. I can't find it anywhere. Huh. Yeah, I've been wanting to That's watch it. odd. Yeah, and it's it's one of those movies where I think it's very influential, but I I haven't seen it in forever. I just want to kind of go back and revisit it. I got yeah. a source. I got a source for you. Do you? I'll, okay, nice, I'll find nice, it. sweet. Um, but then so so he's you know he's in his car, and then this like drone, this voicemail drone finds him and says it's basically just a courier, yeah. uh, a voicemail courier. Now keep in mind, there's no cell phones back in '81, so there's no cell phones in 2030, whatever this you know whatever's supposed to take place here because they didn't know it was coming. Yeah. So. 
it's funny though they that drones though are a thing and they sort of figured that out but they didn't figure out cell phones right because we, we, i think we've always wanted flying things flying thing yeah exactly cell yeah. phones are like meh okay whatever yeah it just sort of happened star trek invented that but yeah no. yeah so so it was kind of neat seeing this like weird this weird 1980s idea of what technology was going to be in the future. Sometimes I find that fun, yeah. you know, and, and it, you know, it's, it's obviously like a little, a little Jetson-y, but you know, with a different sort of spin on it. Yeah. The, and this is in, and, and being a sci-fi movie, uh, cartoon movie, they can go bonkers with whatever they want to do. And it was still like, it kind of made sense. Yeah. It made sense in that world. Yeah. The, and the, cause the art designs, you know, is every, you know, it, it was similar and whatnot. Um, and then, so she says, meet me at the Statue of Liberty. So he's like, cool. I just got to get rid of some, some tails. So the, the two goons were basically following him on these little motorcycle, flying motorcycle yeah, things. You're, it looked really fucking cool. I liked their motorcycle. Oh, I loved it too. And that they was the neat. car chase scene basically. Yeah. So yeah. a little car chase scene and then he, he basically dispatches both of them. One with his rear camera gun. Yes. And then he runs another one into like a bridge. I will say, and I, I, I'd like to watch this movie on VHS to, to just to see what the if the how the sound quality is because yeah. I, we watched the Blu-ray both of us did and the crashing sounds are like so obnoxious right they were so loud <laughs> so loud and I remember having to adjust I know that's a thing when you watch movies now it's adjusting the sound volume or whatever <laughs> but it was like way over the top yeah it was I, I I noticed that too and it was it was also during the the opening credits when the heavy metal title came up and there yeah. was that thunderstorm yeah it was, I think the bass on this movie is real heavy for some yeah. reason. Heavy, I don't think heavy metal, maybe. Ooh, 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 ooh girl. All right, so Harry meets. Do we ever find out her name? Uh, I, I didn't even write that down. No. I just boobs McGee. <laughs> boobs McGee. Um, so he meets. He meets the femme fatale at the, the top of the. Um, no, she's t- technically. I think her name's girl. Yeah, and she says, "Help me, you know, meet with these guys. I want to sell. Give it. Give them the Lochnar. They're going to give them like thirty million dollars or something." And yes. Harry's like, "I'll do it for half. You know, I'll do it with you for fifty fifty. And she's like, "Okay, cool." And you're like, "Great, that's that's awesome." So they go now to go do a little midnight rendezvous on an abandoned, you know, bridge with Rudnick and her and Harry, basically. Yep. And. She basically gives uh, Rudnick the the Lochnar in, in in a case. It's in a case, and Rudnick gives her the money. That, I mean, that was a pretty fucking easy peasy switcheroo. Everything seemed copacetic and cool. Yeah, but this is a film noir style, so you know nothing's gonna be cool. Nope. Uh, Rudnick, he he died. Yep. Yep. <laughs> he made the mistake of touching the Lochnar. Yep. He touched the Lochnar, and then he got greenified. Which was cool. Always fun to see. It actually reminded me of uh, a mid-80s movie called Street Trash. and uh, Another and, one I haven't seen. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. I went, always wanted to. That's on our list then. Um, you heard it here, folks. <laughs> you re- heard it right here. But they, uh, spoiler alert, they drink this thing called Viper Wine, which basically causes them to implode. And it's, for some reason, I, I wrote that down. I'm like, this, this is like the Viper Wine in Street Trash. In and Street- what year did Street Trash come out? I, I think in 80, I want to say 86 or 87, maybe 88. So it might have actually had heavy metal as like its inspiration. Oh, I'm sure there's yeah. some inspiration. I think I, you got to figure all the people, all the like all the movies that we watched post eighty one. I know that heavy metal the movie wasn't that popular. It didn't do that well in the theater. Yeah. But you know all the movies that we fucking liked growing up as a kid. You know those directors and creators watched heavy metal. Oh yeah. So there's like this. 
I feel like this movie is sort of integral to our to our childhoods. Even yes. if, like, say for you, for example, haven't seen it as much as me, I think the, its inspiration is felt throughout our entire childhood. Oh, yeah. I was picking up on references left and right. But then to go off of that, heavy metal was clearly influenced by that 1950s North movie called Kiss Me Deadly, where this light source is inside of a briefcase and they open it up. Pulp Fiction. Pulp Fiction, yeah. He kind of used on, yeah. But it's the same idea where they open up the briefcase and it vaporizes everybody. Okay. So I think that had to have played a part. Everyone kind of, you say rips off from other people, but I say people just get, you know. Homage. People people homage each other all the time. It's it's the acoustic records. We're all just using the same same ideas. We're just reaching out from space and grabbing them, you know. As long as you take it and do something good with it. That's That's right. Just do something awesome. Just do something awesome. (laughs) Um, and then, and then the coup de gras, she, of course, flips it on him. And, yep. you know, so she, so she sits in the back seat of Harry Canyon's car. Harry's in the front, you know, and she pulls a gun on him and she's like, Kiss me deadly. I kid, I want all the money. And Harry's like, are you sure about that? And she's like, yes. And he's like, all righty. So he vaporizes her. Cold-blooded, cold-blooded. <laughs> Pay the piper. Yeah, man. I mean, at the end of the day, she was... She was no one was good in this movie. But again, he had no he didn't care. He didn't care, but he did in a way that he at least asked, Are you sure? And I feel like if you explored his character more, you'd like I feel like that's a big deal for him. You know, like he would normally have probably been like, Yeah, fuck, I don't give a shit. Well, yeah, he was into her. Yeah. I mean clearly. Tits McGee. <laughs> yeah. Boing. <laughs> um but he uh but he but you know, he's he's gotta he's gotta protect his He's got to protect A number one, the big cheese, the head honcho. That's how you survive in that fucking that's, that's world, right. man. You know, it's how we roll. So that was um, that was pretty much the end of that story. Um, then we go we in between every one of them, we go back to I just called it the bookend story yes. with the the daughter and the Lochnar narrator, basically. So we go back there, and every single time we go back, he's just inching closer to her while she's screaming basically. in horrific agony. Yeah, she, her her facial expressions were were pretty. Awesome. Yeah. Well, I mean, she did witness her father melt. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. That's you know? right. So let's let's not forget that. <laughs> and then we go into. I think this one was one of my wife's favorite uh, ones segments of the whole thing was Den, with oh, a yeah. voice by John Candy. I think um, it's my favorite too. Okay. This- Originally done, uh, uh, drawn, written and drawn by uh, uh, Corbin. Shit, Richard Corbin. There we go. I always liked his artwork. Anytime his stuff popped up in heavy metal, I very much enjoyed it. Yeah, this was awesome. Yeah, this was cool. So this was the this was the He Man episode that people would you know would were hoping this is like the R rated He Man. Yeah, He Man with sex and nudity and violence. <laughs> yes, basically, and some really um, hilarious lines throughout yeah. the whole thing. It's a good one. I really liked the humor as I got older in this one. Yeah, likewise. Then, yeah. I was cracking up. I'd write down every little line and we'll get into it too, but uh So it's yeah. it starts in on Earth and this is the first time I think we sort of see that the Lochnar is a different size than you know, you see at the beginning of the movie. So the the Harry Canyon episode, the Lochnar is pretty much the same size as the bookends part, right? The the intro part. But here we find that it's, it's different. So yeah. when it lands here, it's almost like a meteorite landing. And this kid picks it up. It's got it doesn't melt him or anything. And in this one, it's more more like used as a MacGuffin to transport this kid to this other planet, basically yes. another another world. Um, so. 
this kid's like 18, but he's super, super nerdy, voiced by John Candy. Is he 18? Well, they say later, he goes, he mentions that he's 18. Oh, got it. Okay. Yeah. But I think he's supposed to be younger. But I think when, when they saw that, when he gets bigger, he's having sex. But they're like, well, if he's 12, he probably shouldn't be having, you know what I mean? Yeah. But he definitely looked like he was more like 14 or 15 in the in the beginning They part. had to make it 18, so yeah. you know, they didn't Because you do see his dingus when, you know, yes. in, in this. So, um, <laughs> so. This one, this one's short, real quick. This beginning part, he's basically doing an experiment with lightning, which we'll come back later. The lightning triggers the Lochnard, like the electricity triggers triggers the Lochnard in his room, and it shoots, it zaps the kid, and the kid gets taken to this other land. But as he's falling through space and time, basically, he's growing, like he becomes like this bald, muscle bound, giant dingus man but he's still you know a kid inside his head which is where the humor comes from which is where which is why shazam the new shazam movie works so well this is basically like a rated r version of shazam because you still like this young kid narrating what he's seeing that this big body is doing that's awesome yeah i love when he's like no hair big no way I was going to walk around this place with my dork hanging out. I love it. I, I, I for a while, I went through a, a dork phase, meaning like I, I referred to my dick as a dork, yeah. you know, and it was because of this. It's the only time I've ever heard dork in a movie referred to your penis. Other than uh, Monster... Uh, oh, yeah. Monster Squad, Monster right? Squad, yes. yeah. I think it's... Well, you we said Wolfman's got nards, but I feel like somebody referred to a penis as a dork in I think that one, call, too. Yeah, I think they used dork in that as well. Good call. I want to bring that back, dude. I oh, want to yeah. call a penis a dork. <laughs> sure. So so Den lands well you find out his name's Den later basically. You don't really yeah. find that out right away. It's weird because going back and then watching the documentary and everything on this, like we were too young to sort of know at the time, but these stories were actually in the heavy metal, you know, the magazine. Yeah, I didn't know that. Right. And I knew that the Den one was, um, which is why I actually knew his name was Den even as a kid. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think it, you're supposed to sort of just know it. I, I think they were counting on that maybe a little bit as yeah. a viewer that you were supposed to know the source material. And I think if, if this movie was remade, <clears throat> and, I, and I hate using that, you know, throwing that out there, but uh, that would be something that would be caught now. Back in the day, they definitely skirted over those those things and like, oh, no one's going to know that or no one needs to know that or maybe they're pressed for time or whatever. Yeah. And he went and Den went from like blue to red. He would change colors a lot of this. <laughs> well, I, I feel like that was, a, that was a lot of like what the what the artists were like trying to portray like what was going on like the sky or something it actually, I didn't love the art style sometimes no. when it went full color on I, things. I preferred, I liked the, uh, the women. Yeah. They looked yeah. fantastic. Yeah, they looked fantastic. <laughs> and so so basically, so Den at this point sees that, so he's, he, he basically lands on this like temple. He's like, okay, I yeah. don't know what the fuck I'm doing here. And he sees these people in robes chanting around a, like a, a pool of water that's kind of bubbling. And this lady has like almost like a Cthulhu helmet on, you know, yes. and she's making kind of like these funny arm gestures. I thought, I was as a kid thought they were funny. To make the, uh, to make the connection to He-Man again, she looked, there's an episode called The House of Shakoti, okay. which is probably Probably the creepiest episode ever. Actually, part two is the creepiest one. But this uh, Shakota, the the woman in the episode wears this mask that looks very similar to that. Wow, I I, I wonder if they were ripping off heavy metal a I little bit. I wouldn't have been surprised. Did she have giant giant hooters like they, this lady does? Yes, she was blue though. I think so. Uh, oh, okay. Well, that's fine. That works. <laughs> <laughs> so they're apparently going to sacrifice this other big-breasted woman. Um, 
to the water gods or we don't really know what's happening yet, you know? Yeah. So Den just, you know, sees them throw her in and he jumps in the water after and he basically rescues her. With this dramatic, you know, Conan, Black Star, He-Man music playing in the background. Yeah, it's very it's very Conan and space inspired. Totally. Right? Yeah, yeah. Like that's kind of the vibe of what I think Denev was supposed to be basically from the yes. beginning. Just Conan a kid getting transported to another planet and he's like Conan, but he's still a kid. Yeah. And he's banging all these like huge titted women. It's every uh, you know, prepubescent boy's dream come true. So I should note at this point, my wife is completely tickled by the fact that there's just boobs everywhere. She yeah. didn't I don't think she really knew what to expect. I wrote that from down this like there's film. a lot of boobs in this episode. <laughs> and, and and so so she be, she turned into this like sort of running gag where she was like boobs you know so you just like point out where the boobs were but she enjoyed it but i don't think she was expecting that many breasts no it was like Uh, over the top uh, yeah it's over the top (laughs) and uh there's one part she only she only didn't call boobs right once and it was during the zombie plane episode and i'll call back to it then but uh yeah man she was like boobs yeah (laughs) boobs over there (laughs) oh wait is that like you're gonna have oh boobs there they are boobs (laughs) zombies boobs So, of course, like, Den, Den saves this girl, and you find out she's from Earth, too, but yeah. they don't really explain that. You no. just find out she's from Earth. She's British, isn't she? Yeah. And and I guess the idea is that everyone who comes over here, their proportions become extreme. Yes. Because uh, her, her proportions are as extreme as his, just in a, a feminine way, yeah. you know? But she's, like, you know, uh, human flesh-colored. Yeah, and Den's like a weird orange color. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, she has her hair, too. So yes. I, I, if, I thought maybe you'd just follow the whole thing. It should they, they, The girls should have no hair, too, if they're from Earth, right? Like, when that sort well, of all the women line... seem to have their yeah. hair. Because clearly this, this was made for dudes. <laughs> so, Dude. like, well, no, every chick's got to have hair on her. Yeah. Head. And on their end and, down below. <laughs> yeah. But not in every shot. There's some mm. continuity errors there. Yep, there that sure I are. up on. <laughs> So, of course, Den bones her because that's what you do in these scenarios. <laughs> yes. And, I mean, you don't blame him. Uh, he's 18. Yeah. He's like, I've never seen this before. I'm going to take advantage. His dork is huge. And, you know, I mean, when, your, do- when your dork is that huge, man, you put it to use. <laughs> so after they're done boning or sort of during uh, yes. these guys, these m- monkey men, these like kind of orc looking. Yeah. Dudes. Yeah. Animal looking half human half animal hybrid yeah. type of things um which i guess are the natural den- denizens of this world yes they look um, like from time machine uh, the original hg wells time machine the morlocks yeah yeah <clears throat> that's mm-hmm. what it reminded me of and they take uh den and the girl back to this very um effeminate guy he's wearing awesome. a toga he's I, awesome I, I love i love him and even <laughs> as a kid i loved him yeah he because he, he didn't give a shit and uh <laughs> well aren't we fierce <laughs> and, and his name is ard yeah which ard. is which is like hard but without the h you <laughs> yeah. know well yeah and yeah. i was like okay that's cool i like that but he was funny i oh even as a kid i thought i liked him I was oh like, he's so great yeah it, it was this it's kind of this weird thing between it's almost offensive but not quite you no, know I, I felt like he was this um you know, uh, kind of Caligula Greek, yeah, very effeminate. Um, but it's not like so much that it's 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 like gay. He's just he's so proper, sort of. Yeah, that he's sort of effeminate. He's just very. It's like uh, what do you call that? Um, a very like affluent, like yeah, hoity toity rich guy. And, and not that it matters if he is gay. It, I don't. It doesn't matter. No, but like. 
But like, I felt like that wasn't what it was about. Even as a kid, I, I thought it was more about like he was like lording over people, basically. Yeah, you know, yeah. there were no overt, real overt references in yeah. it. Yeah. But clearly he was this, you know, you want to see him get his ass kicked. Yeah, you did. But at the same time, you kind of liked him, too. I, I oh, did. yeah. I thought, I thought he was, he was funny. great. Yeah, he was funny. Some, like that line where he's like, well, aren't we fierce? Yeah. <laughs> it was really, he was cool. I liked him a lot. And then you find out that he's immortal. So, like, because, um, you know, he's like, Den's like, well, I'll just kill you. Who gives a shit? <laughs> yeah. And he shoots him and you find out that he's immortal. So, okay, Den's now sort of locked with this guy. And this guy's like, okay, either you go get the Lochnar from the queen for me to use in, in the sacrifice, you know, or the girlfriend dies, you die, everyone dies. Yeah, and I loved in, his delivery on that one too. Oh, it was so great. He was so like nonchalant about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, you know, he means business, yeah. right? So Den's like, okay, cool. I, I got to do this. So Den, you know, has to now take this team of, you know, they're sort of the bad guys, but they sort of not really. Uh, well, yeah, they're, they're, they're just like the, the inhabitants soldiers. of the planet. They're like soldiers. They're yeah. pretty much kind of people that are sort of conscripted in these two battles that are happening between these two, people that are probably not from their world basically they're, i guess i imagine they're also from earth as well because they're the only other humans on on this planet well, here and, and i wrote that down too i thought it was hilarious that they were um they they sounded like everyday you know people they didn't yeah. they didn't have this creature voice they were like you know, talking like normal people. Oh, talk. oh, the the, the Denzin, the um, the people that live there, the monkey men. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah they had perfect, like, <laughs> perfect, they had perfect conversational American like, accents. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they can communicate perfectly. They didn't grunt. You know, no. there was like even the main guy from their group was yeah. like very well spoken. Yeah. You know, and which it was, was made it, it was funny. Yeah, yeah, I like that guy. <laughs> yeah, me too. I, I should I, I forgot to write down his name, but even as a kid, I liked that guy. When he tells a story, he's like seven inches or, or six inches long. Wait. 16 inches long. <laughs> I, I love that. So we, we get a, a quick little mo- like traveling montage, you know, across, across the world, nothing major. Um, they get to the queen's castle and then go in through, basically they pull a big trouble in little China, going yep. through the sewers down yes. into the basement and they lose one of their, their team members yep. to a monster, just like big, big trouble, trouble in little China. China. <laughs> and which is also just like Sinbad. I, it, yes. It's like, I always call that, like the Sinbad trope, which is like you go from point A to point B, you go through multiple settings, and one person from your team dies each setting. Like I feel like that's like the Sinbad scenario from like the 70s yeah. or the 80s, whenever those movies came out. And out. I'm sure it's all based around the hero's journey. Exactly, exactly. You always, well, you have to show some sort of danger, you know? Yes. So they get into, they split up, and they go into um, the Queen's Palace, and Den finds himself in basically the queen's chambers. Yes. And they have a funny little sight gag when he's going to go grab the uh, the orb and the lights come on and his hands are like grabbing the queen's two giant breasts. <laughs> grabbing a couple other orbs. Exactly. <laughs> what did, uh, did, did you like? The, did you think of anything about the queen and her people or anything? Oh my gosh, she was fantastic. Well, is this... Did, did they immediately start banging after that? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, because okay, um, they were about to kill kill Den, and then she's like, "Wait, stop! I'm got better use for him." And <laughs> and the, and the two goons were like, two goons were like, "Oh man, uh, she always she always does that. She yeah, just they, takes they, away that." They're like, you know? "Oh no, not again!" Because they know what's going to happen. Yeah, right? she's, she's going to go fuck him. We wanted to kill him. She's hey, going to go fuck him. Okay, she, she's the queen. She yeah. can do whatever she wants. Exactly. She's, she's the fucking queen, <laughs> man. Great. I, it, the the humor in this was very strong. I yeah. thought it was it was good too. It wasn't. It wasn't over the top. It wasn't too much. It was just the right amount of humor here. No, but it but it's so it's it was so witty too. Mm-hmm. It was so like this episode felt the most polished out of all of them because it 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 kind of covered all the bases. Like there was so much great dialogue 
kind of back and forth everyday dialogue in a really bizarre setting. Mm-hmm. You know, they took like they're almost like sitcom type lines and threw them into this, you know, Dungeons and Dragons Conan episode. Right. So. Yeah. And that's that's the, the, the humor, the juxtaposition humor comes from, uh, you know, all that. And it's cool because you also get, you know, inside of Din's head. Yeah. And so you also get internal monologue with with the external stuff. With and John Candy narrating. With John Candy doing both. And it's all it's funny when you hear what he thinks versus what he says. Yeah. You know, yeah. it, it, no, this is great. Of course it's great. Yeah. It's it's fantastic. I love dude, I loved it. I love the humor in this. Um and I loved this the sex scene that follows was was good, <laughs> but not as classic as the Harry Canyon one. That's still no. my favorite sex scene in I think in the whole movie. Actually I like this one more. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Already, maybe because it lasted a little longer. It did last a little bit longer. Maybe you haven't seen it as much. So yes. You're like, ah, oh, it's, it's fresher for you. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't constantly <laughs> rewinding it on a VCR. Exactly. So while they're having sex, the the other team, the B unit, steals the Lochnar. Yes, basically, and not, then and it wasn't really uh, defined whether that was on purpose or not. Yeah. Well, what what if if Den was gonna fucking her? Basically, yes. yeah. I think he I think he just stumbles into sex basically in this. It's not really his agenda, no. but he's not turning it down no. because he's a kid. He's like, yeah, sure, of course, We're I'm dead. Yeah, why not? <laughs> um, so of course he's got to escape because she's like, kill him, you know, yeah. like you know, you used me, yeah, you, you know? used me, <laughs> you know. And uh, so he escapes. He he jumps out of there and he he basically escapes on like this horse, you know, thing, which was yeah. pretty cool looking, like this awesome. alien monster horse looking yeah. thing and uh so he races back to the temple and basically ard has the Lochnar, and he's going to sacrifice the the girl the yeah. how dare the he? love interest i guess i don't care about her whatever. yeah whatever man <laughs> he doesn't give a shit no he just he just wants the power wants at the, power. the end of the day we don't know what he's he's trying to resurrect a monster or get power we don't really technically know what he's trying to sacrifice and do yeah it's all kind of implied like whoever controls the orb the you know that the, the lochnar controls the planet right has total control it's because it's just power and everything yes. and so like while the two armies are sort of fighting like because now it's like a, a battle culminating and everything uh den basically grabs this chain and and on a spear and throws it chucks it up to where the Lochnar is because at this point the queen and art are fighting over the, the Lochnar. so great so great I, my wife loved that one because it's like no give it here you know you give it, <laughs> yeah, it it's mine it's my Lochnar. it's it's <laughs> awesome because what they're doing is struggling but the voice actors are playing it as if they're doing like a tickle fight yeah, or like a totally. like a slap fight it's a total know? tickle like, fight no no that's my Lochnar. no no, no it's mine <laughs> hand it over no, give, give it, it back, back to me yeah you know and it's great yeah. and uh and i love the fact that so he he throws the spear and 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 he puts the spear in the like this chain into the water and it basically creates this electric bolt that destroys a it destroys whatever sort of coming out of the water that that Ard was using to sort of resurrect you know type yeah. of thing and it m- makes the queen and Ard just disappear yes and they're like well where do they go and he's like well I think my probably back to my mom's house you know like <laughs> and that's and Dan thinks like you know I, my, won't my mom be surprised and honestly. I'm still tickled by that because a it's neat that they he didn't kill them, you know, and b the idea of just having them appear in his mom's house and yeah. these two insane people. Yeah, the mom would be like, "Denny, it's time for dinner. Denny, where are you?" And these two people are up in his room fighting, yeah, fighting like, over what? nothing. Because oh, yeah, <laughs> give me back that. You know, it's mine. It's mine. How do we get out of here? Exactly. I, I for some reason I want to see that story. That would <laughs> like, be amazing. I wish someone would do like a little one shot comic yeah. of just that. Where's the Where's the heavy metal non two thousand? <laughs> oh God, mm. them yeah. 
Yeah, we didn't even address that. We don't need to address that. We don't ever need to address that. Moving on. <laughs> How dare I? How dare you? I love you it. killed it. I think the last line of that segment is, on Earth, I'm, no- on Earth, I'm nobody. But here, I'm Den. Yeah. And is that, like, was that his name? Like, he, so he well, says it. Denny, he says yeah. it like... Like we're supposed to know, it's because of the fans of the comic yeah. are like, oh, it's Dan. You know, like I guess we knew that already, but I feel like that name was supposed to mean something when he said it, but to us, it doesn't really mean anything. It doesn't mean anything to us. I, I, I knew that watching this now, I'm like, clearly that was just like an inside joke or to people that are, were familiar with the, with the magazine. Yeah, I, th- I think that was more for, for them. Uh, then we get another bookend part with the girl, the young kid, uh, and then... The Loch Nahr flies into space. Yep. And then we get the fun Captain Stern story, which which I enjoy. It's really quick. It goes by fast. Even though time-wise, it's a little bit long, but not much really happens. No. Basically, It's we, actually one of the, if, overall, the shorter segments, I think. Yeah, yeah. Especially Lincoln like, F. Stern. Yeah. That ship uh, looked like the 2001 ship, by the way. The space station? Yeah, yeah. Space so, station. So this, this episode, or this segment, I keep calling it episode, so weird <laughs> um this segment basically uh it's in space and it takes place on a space station that yeah. like like you said kind of looks like uh the 2001 space odyssey space station yeah which that there's no brainer that of course that influenced that one just you know it now one's more probably homage slash parody because the way they deal with it and everything yeah and Basically, we find out we, we we see this guy walking through the halls, and he just picks up um, a marble. Now that's the Loch Nahr. So in this story, the Loch Nahr is basically the size of a marble. I don't know if that means that the humans in this part of the galaxy are, are bigger, or if it just doesn't matter and it just is what it is. But yeah. here, the Loch Nahr doesn't really do anything, and it's just a marble. And it and so this guy who we find out later his name's Hanover Fist. He picks up the Loch Nahr and goes about his business. Cut to a, a courtroom. And his, like basically, his captain, Captain Stern, is on trial for the most heinous crimes you yeah. could possibly He's think the of. Worst. He's the absolute worst. He's a giant piece of shit. Yeah. And I mean, just just a laundry list of of heinous crimes. What did say they say the 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 preschool prostitution ring and yeah. stuff? It's like, like dope disguised as a nun. Or yeah, something selling like. dope disguised as a nun. Just basically, <laughs> you could just tell the writers were just trying to come up the most heinous bullshit you could possibly yeah. think of. And then the joke is he's like not guilty. Yeah, <laughs> you and the know? crowd just goes wild because <laughs> they can't believe <gasps> oh it. Oh my gosh! And I think I think at this point. I think Captain Stern was another mainstay character in the um, heavy metal sort of anthology magazines. Okay. Now, I know that the, the comics, then, heavy metals never had like any continuity between issues. I mean, they don't even have continuity inside the issue. No. But there would be stories like characters like Den and Captain Stern that would actually pop up in multiple issues okay. and do their own thing here and there. So I think at this point, maybe, and I could be completely wrong because I, I didn't read that many Captain Stern stuff, but I think at this point you were supposed to know that that, you know what kind of a character he was he's like the viewer dude. were supposed to know that yeah kind of going in and then the laundry list obviously you know informed the viewer if they didn't know but i think you were already supposed to know like this is a bad dude yeah i think so chiseled good looks yes yeah and that's i think that's his that's the the humor or whatever yeah. from it is that he's really good looking but he's a real piece of shit <laughs> yeah it's like he's as much of a piece of shit as he is good looking yes exactly <laughs> yeah and you know and, and and he's about to get his comeuppance yeah and then you think wait he's not gonna get it so 
so he tells his lawyer, lawyers like the, the funny part is lawyers like, what are you doing? Plead guilty. The best we can hope for at this point is that they bury you in an unnamed grave so that it doesn't get desecrated. Yes. Like really that's all you're looking for at this point as a positivity. <laughs> it's just your best outcome here. Yeah. And uh and you know, so Captain Stern's like, No, I got it covered. You know, I got an inside man basically. And then you know, on the stand is uh Hanover Fist, the guy that picked up the marble, picked up the the Lochnar marble on his way to to here and he basically in this really nerdy sheepish voice starts talking about how awesome captain stern is you know how fantastic he is but then he starts twitching and like you know like in this like hulk creature inside of him can't like take the lies so he starts spouting the truth is that the lochnar probably probably see but then with the end of all this all right, I have a thought of that. Let me just let's go right back. Let's talk about that at the end because okay. I I've always wondered that, and as a kid I wondered that as well. But let's let's because I think it ties into what happens at the end when he shrinks back down. Um, so basically, he gets big and chases chases Captain Stern throughout the you know causes havoc, causes chaos, chases Captain Stern throughout the bill uh, the space station, destroys the space station, and then ca- has Captain Stern cornered, and then Captain Stern's like. You know, thank you for your time. Because you think he's going to get destroyed. He's like, yeah, Hanover, thank you. And then basically gives Hanover the money that he owes him. Hanover shrinks back down. And you realize this was pretty much the part of the ploy all the time was to create a diversion for him to get away. And yes. then he, he shoots Hanover out yep. of uh, an airlock, you know, kills him because Captain Turner's a big piece of shit. And that's really the, that's the, that's it. That's the entire story right there. But the conversation that I want to have with you is, did Hanover Fist, was that his power always? Like, was, is he an alien? Is that his power? Or did the Lochnar make him do that, make him grow, and then Captain Stern kind of just uh, uh, handled the situation the way Captain Stern does, which is turn it into his own advantage? What was your take on that? Yeah, because I, I didn't pick up on it that way. I must have misinterpreted, uh, because that makes a lot more sense than initially I thought it was Lochnar was causing him to be this maniac and then he was going to try and pay him off, you know, and, and that leave him alone. But then that makes more sense that he was like, not, not needing to get like, that was all in his control, I guess. But the way you said you first thought of it is the way I've always thought of it. Yeah. And it's only sort of recently that I'm like, I wonder if it was the other way. So I'm with you. I thought when I was a kid, I thought it was the Lochnar that made him go crazy. Well, that would be make more sense in the, in the continuity of the the movie because there's got to be this driving force for the, there's got to be a purpose for the Lochnar to be in the episode. And and, and if it, if Lochnar did not make him go crazy, then the Lochnar had nothing to do in that episode essentially. Yeah. Which, which, would you know which doesn't really dry jive no, with suck. the whole thesis of the film yeah, right that, w- that would be that would be shitty I okay mean, i think so it makes more sense that the lochnar caused so, him to re- react in that way okay so so are we in agreement then that it was the lochnar yeah I okay yeah. okay sure cool. i'm cool with that i did I, I, and he I, just, and then just basically captain stern when he got cornered he was like well, all i got left to do is talk to him like he's hanover and be like here's your money so that was kind of like when he had him cornered and he gives hanover the money hanover shrinks back down basically that was just stern like just yeah trying to calm him down with the only like the only play he had left yes basically and it worked yeah it worked and <laughs> and then he knocked him out the airlock right <laughs> and i wrote down too that the the song Song that was in that segment um, was by Cheap Trick. Yeah, that, that to me was like my second favorite song of this. You know, there, there's been music throughout this 
up to that point. But that song was so badass. That it felt like a running down a dream music video kind of thing. That song was one of my favorite on the album. Whenever I listened to it, uh, I would always love that song. It's not my favorite, but one of them. Probably top three or four. Yes, that's so badass. And then uh, I also uh, commented or wrote down that the little one-eyed robot that was helping the captain throughout the ship it was so cool. It was like a cool like little side character. I love that guy, and I think he's from the comic. I think in okay. the comic he is Captain Stern's like sidekick, you know, okay. and he doesn't talk. Yeah, and he seems sweet, but you got to know that he that your boss is a, a piece of shit. Yeah, you so know? he's he's not a good guy. Either. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. But yeah, dude, that was a good segment. I really enjoyed yeah. that segment, even though it was quick. It was short. Um, my my wife thought it was funny. You know, she enjoyed it. She thought that was cool, but. I love this is probably one of my favorite transitions where you basically because when Hanover gets knocked out of the airlock, um, he's holding the locknar in his hand yes. and then you cut to like his fingers holding the locknar, but going through like the atmosphere. But then you they pull back and you realize that his hand is severed, you know, and he's yep. still holding on to the locknar. But and I think they, you know, the, the narrator even makes a makes a, a statement like even in death, you cannot escape my grasp. Yeah, you know, awesome. yeah, it was great. Everything Ugh. that the locknar narrator said was awesome. Yeah. And his voice was awesome. So I do. I wish I'd known going in. In, I wish we talked prior that that was that voice actor, you know, the, yeah. the horror movie voice now actor. Now you know. Yeah, now I know. Now I'm like, fuck, I'm going to rewatch it. Yeah, I mean, he, he, I think he did the trailer for this movie called The Changeling, which is a really creepy uh, ghost story. And, and it's just like, you know, lock your doors or whatever he's saying. And it so just draws you in. Yeah. So even him, yeah, his voice narrating in between, you're like, oh, this is back to being creepy again. Oh, man. And we are segueing into the creepiest segment of the movie this is this is one of the more i think visually striking one of the freakiest uh segments in the film as a kid one of my favorites and yeah. still to this day even though it's kind of light it's kind of like doesn't have much meat on the bones truthfully but it's a lot of fun i think and i think it's because of the creepy factor so yeah this reminded me i feel like um what was that show that spielberg made back? amazing stories amazing stories the the one about the B fifty two with the uh, the cartoon yes. uh, yeah was like Spielberg going yeah I'm gonna make my own version my kid version of this story clearly ref- influenced by this yeah you know. yeah and and clearly the movie Memphis Bell influenced by this oh, as well well of course <laughs> when I guess <laughs> the, and none of these things would have happened if there wasn't for a war so shout out to all the soldiers that gave their lives <laughs> shout out to WW two forty and it, whoa that's really weird. <laughs> Without that, we wouldn't have had a lot of the best uh, villains of all time, basically. (laughs) That's a a really positive way to uh, spin such a tragic, such tragedy. Part of human history. But now we have have villains for the rest of human history. Like the best villains ever. Thanks to all these people being killed. Oh, God. As my son would say, Daddy, life is life. (laughs) That's deep, man. That's heavy. Yeah, he's super deep. Hey, you got, dude, you got a great kid, man. Oh, thanks. <laughs> that, save that for another podcast. <laughs> yeah. um, all right. So this this is the – I think a lot of people have seen this one, you know, uh, like at least images of, of this scene with, with the zombies and everything. But all right. Yeah. So basically we're now at, in World War II. Um, and we're like basically in a, in a flying fortress, a B-52 bomber, and it's, you know, it's flying through enemy air. And that's all we really know going into this, just a bomber doing its bomber run back in World War II. And 
the whole first part of it, the first few minutes of the segment, all we're seeing is the different um, the different crew members in this one particular bomber just getting killed. Yeah, just they're getting- all fucked up they're all dead except for the first the pilot and his co-pilot exactly so but we, we see Only one it. other guy um no I no there's no he, i thought he was I, oh no never mind yeah no no it was only it's only the pilot and the co-pilot that sort of like survive but like the first like five minutes of the segment is just seeing the people getting gunned down and yeah. it was it was violent as shit like yeah flak going off and like and as a kid man this movie sort of made me fascinated by by b-52 bomber stories mainly because of how gruesome some of Brutal. those like deaths were yeah. we're just like the whole front nose in would just explode you know someone was just sitting there and they're gone they're yeah. just they're gone yeah disappeared in one second disappeared and that even happens in this the the nose bomber uh gunner or whatever he just like a, like a flak thing just blows him up and he's just gone right it's it's brutal and it's brutal terrifying to think about if that was really like what i mean people really had to deal with that shit yeah um so after you see the whole crew getting slaughtered the uh, the 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 basically the they drop their bombs and they head back they're just flying back to wherever they were coming from the, the whole plane the whole plane is fucked up right yeah and the captain sends the co-pilot to the back to go check on everybody yeah and what does he find everybody is dead everybody dead yeah so he walks through the middle gunners. They've they've both been killed. Goes all the way to the back and finds like the back gunner. He's like he turns the chair around and the dude's fucking intestines fall out. Dude, the the, the zombies in there, or the, just before they even become zombies, just the violence in this. Yeah, the is gore fucking, was so gnarly. This was one of the, I think the more gory of them. Yeah. of the segments. Yeah, this was yeah definitely because of how realistic it looked. Yeah, and and it reminded me of the. Um, the thing and the special effects in the thing when they go into the 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 Swedes the yeah. Norwegians lab and Norwegians <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and you know that the, everything's frozen but it's still so gory grotesque. yeah yeah dude like like the um I forgot the, how creepy it was. the communications gory. guy like you saw him from behind he like got five bullets through him yeah. and it was all it was it freaked me out because like one bullet went through like his forearm and he like he grabs that in pain but then like and he dies and yeah. as a kid man like all that shit churned my stomach man i yeah. was like that shit's fucking gruesome and the fact that like you're dying alone yeah you know with your your guts spilled everywhere definitely the darkest there, there was no uh because every segment up to this point had humor with its violence yeah this this did not this was straight up like war is war's hell war's hell yeah yeah and and that's a good point. I didn't even uh, note that that there's just no humor in this one whatsoever. No. And even even some of the darker ones, there's actually I don't think there's anyone that doesn't have any humor in it whatsoever. No, everything has some form of humor. In yeah. It. So 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 you see all the people get gunned down. The 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 pilot makes his or the co-pilot makes his way to the back of the plane, and he sees um, a green meteor following the plane. Yeah. Um. You know, keeping pace with the plane. You know, obviously under its own you know control and everything. And he reports it back, and then they get hit by it, like basically hits into the plane. It yeah. Knocks into the plane, goes inside of it, and you see like this goes green... in the bottom gunner guy. Yeah. Right? Like goes up through the bottom yeah. area, and you you see basically it knocks out the co-pilot because he gets knocked over. You know, in the back, and then you see a green light sort of engulf everything, and all the dead bodies. Something happens to him. You don't really know what it is, but you see them get all weird, yeah. right? And get all like, whoa, you know. And then the co-pilot wakes up, and he starts making his way back to the front of the plane, except the bodies are gone. And 
the scene that I love the most is when he's in the middle of the plane where the two middle gunners are and their bodies are gone. And it's just that wind sound. And yeah. all you hear is the wind whistling. And it's like, it's freaky because it's, it's like a haunted house movie, but in a, in an airplane. Yeah. You know, it's suddenly become this haunted house zombie movie. Yeah. yeah. You know, and it, it was, the atmosphere was just fantastic. Yeah, how desolate such a small space can feel, you know? And yet how big, like, like just, it's yeah. such a small space, but yet how, like you said, how desolate, how alone you can feel in it. But then it still felt like there was like room for the zombies and the monsters to hide there. It was so freaky. Yeah, so fr- it was really freaky. Yeah. And so the co-pilot's making his way back and he hears some rustling in the belly gunner turret, you know, spot. And he's like, wait a minute. He opens up the latch, you know, we'd already seen earlier that the belly gunner was dead. He was yeah. like, there's a hole in the, the window, the windshield, and he was like sort of slumped over in it. Um, this these arms reach up and grab the co-pilots, pull him down into the belly gunner, and then you see this little the struggle, which is awesome. I yeah. like the animation there. Yeah, it's so good. And then the blood kind of splatters out. Splatters everywhere. out. <laughs> like, oh, <laughs> shit. Uh, this is getting really nasty fast. Yeah, and you know something bad just happened to him. Mm-hmm. So the pilot's like, what the fuck's going on back there? He turns up, he puts his, the, the plane on autopilot, stands up, opens his door, and right there is fucking a zombie just yeah. standing right there with his fucking guts hanging out, <laughs> fucking skin. Skin, like melted off you know like just gruesome as shit man it would I, just terrifying even now i was like fuck that's scary yeah and yeah. the captain the captain's like fuck this shit like what do you do like you're in that that small open he doesn't even hesitate no he's like no i'm out of here guys yep. um i don't know who you are i assume you're my friends but they're, you're all dead i'm yep. out so he crawls out through one of those the bottom hatch thing which yep. is i guess like a safety hatch with his parachute but as he's doing it they're a they're busting through the door yep. they're about to get him i mean yeah he was like one second away from getting he got mess around and uh so he lands on this island in the, in the pacific or something yep. you know while his while his b-52 goes down you know like it crashes in the water and he he lands on this island and he's making his way through the island and you know it's creepy it's nighttime and everything and he and he looks through some foliage and there's this close-up shot of his face and he looks surprised and my wife goes boobies and <laughs> it cuts to like you know it's not it's no the, it's clearly the not. one time she was wrong about the boobies yeah, <laughs> but yeah. the look on his face he was like surprised looking she's like boobs but uh then she you find out that it's um uh, like a like a graveyard of airplanes, yeah, and all the pilots that were killed are all now zombies, and they're closing in. The on Bermuda them. Triangle of, uh, yeah, basically, basically. Yeah. This episode, I feel like this segment is super iconic as far as this movie oh, yeah. goes, and people who have fondness for this movie, um, this episode, this segment is just really high up there. What did you feel like watching it now? I, I just want to say real quick, I thought it was a little shorter than I remembered it. Yeah, and well, you know, and we'll get to the next segment in a minute, but uh, I, I felt like this this should have this segment should have been the, uh, twice as long, cutting out the next segment personally okay okay that's funny because i actually like the next segment more than i ever did before and it actually was one of my wife's favorites so we'll get to that but (laughs) i'm with you i wish this segment was longer for as as cool as it was yeah i wish it was longer then again but at the same time like i don't want to see the the stuff in the on the island i wanted to see more in the airplane you know like maybe them trying to fight off the zombies or something i feel like they they definitely could have gone there uh why this hasn't been made into a feature film is beyond me yeah, because there, it's, there's it's something so there. Great, yeah, and they can clearly expand upon the universe of like what was going on. And uh, I haven't seen that that J.J. Abrams World War Two. Oh, Overlord! Yeah. I saw that. Yeah, but I feel like 
you know, there, there there's always time to, to kill off Nazis, and, <laughs> and you could clear, you could do something really fun with this story, and it had that creep show uh, EC Comics. Look well, it had a very it. the the zombies had a very Bernie Wrightson look. Yeah, to Bernie them. Wrightson. Yeah, for sure. And for I, sure. I correct me if I'm wrong. I, I could be wrong. I think he might have worked on this one because I know he did. Okay. work on uh, one of them. I think this was it. it. It feels like it was. That would make sense because as soon as they landed on the on the island, it just it, look, it had that vibe to it. Like yeah, they all look like basically they all look like uh, Tarman zombies. Totally Tarman zombies. But but I feel like once it started, it was over. Yeah. Yeah, that was the problem with that one. Yep. The problem with it, it was too short. Yep. So I guess at the end of the day, I'd rather be, have something too short, you wanting more, than being too long and getting bored with it, right? Yeah, I'm, I'm okay with that. I'm okay with it, you know, meeting, uh, going beyond expectations versus, you know, right. coming in limp. Yeah. And, <laughs> I think that's everyone's preference. Yeah, I think. Uh, guys, I'm, I'm coming in limp, guys. <laughs> Eddie's coming in limp. <laughs> now, I was watching on the special features on the blu-ray did you see how they they filmed the the plane stuff for this they basically had like a a 10 foot b-52 model that they painted black so the base of it's black and then the lines like the seams and stuff are painted uh white and then when they photographed it it that becomes reversed so those white oh, wow like, like those white seams and stuff become black that that's what they use to um you know, so basically, oh, it's another cool. rotoscoping technique. Yeah, um, that it's almost almost looked very Tron esque. How how the model itself looks. Yes. Yeah. You know, and it's kind of like that. You, you, yeah, I don't know how it all worked, but it was another rotoscoping technique, essentially. I, I don't know if they said it in the documentary because I didn't watch it, but um, but I felt like so much of the stuff was groundbreaking. Like they, the MTV generation was just about to start, and they were using all of that stuff. All yeah. the all the techniques that you were gonna see sort of later on in like maybe like the aha take on me you yeah. know video or something yeah. I don't know which came came first and, um, and it just on me too and I meant to say it for the pre for the uh, for the 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 den segment was that the the backgrounds were like this weird lava lamp looking type stuff yeah and they used it again in the final segment uh, yeah it's like the sky isn't they didn't like paint like a sky they painted like a lava lamp sort of scenario yeah so I noticed cool. that it was cool but it was it was weirdly you know jarring I thought well but then, then after that was a while like the I 70s it was neat. vibe to it yeah like, that's you know? definitely seventies yeah. yeah everyone had their fucking yeah, uh, and got it a Vita. <laughs> yeah yeah well man it's trippy um so so. We basically the the way this one transitions is also kind of weird. Yeah, um, it it doesn't actually use the Lochnar to transition to the next story. And basically, when the the airplane pilot gets surrounded by zombies, it pulls out to this like you know crane shot up in the air. You, you realize you know how many airplanes are there, how many zombies are there, and he's in the middle of them. And then it wipes to the same scene. But it's a digital, like, computer screen of basically aliens watching what's happening. Yes. And then they turn it off, and then it goes to something. You know what I mean? It goes to something else. Yeah. So it, it was just – that was the only way they sort of transitioned that one. Yeah, that was – this was – this this area was the only time there was a – felt like a disconnect. Yeah, because it, it didn't like, use the Lochnar, I guess. Yeah, you know? they didn't know how to transition. Yeah. Which boggles my mind because I feel like there's <laughs> so much other stuff going on. It's like It would have been pretty easy to 
I don't know. Yeah, I feel like somebody could have came up with a transition. Although we don't know, like maybe a scene was cut that they cut for time, and we're like maybe this will just be better. True. Because um, I knew they did cut a whole segment that was actually prior to the B fifty two scene, oh. and basically. Um, what was supposed to happen was Hanover Fist's uh, finger holding the Lochnar was supposed to land into this uh, primordial ooze like world, and then you do they do this animation thing where you see the world basically grow around, and it's Earth, you know, and and basically you see through this like few minute vignette of how history evolves. And then it ends with World War II and these B-52s flying over, and then it cuts to that B-52 scene. So they cut that out, and they even have the, the like the not final animation of it, but they have like you know some some animation of that scene. And it's it's gorgeous, but they just cut it for time. There's like it, yeah. it kind of slowed things down. But the funny thing is, they were talking the the interviewers were talking about like they were like looking at it now. We should have kept it because it was gorgeous. Like the animation's gorgeous, the concept is gorgeous. But at the time, they cut it just for um for time's sake. They should have kept it. It would have been a ninety five minute movie. Versus exactly. 86, yeah. You know? Exactly. Like what's what's the big deal at yeah. that point? But yeah, who knows? Maybe it was a money thing. But yeah, again, so there could have been maybe a whole other segment planned in between and you know they're like ah we're not going to do it so we're going to make this like transition but i i agree with you even as a kid it was like one of the few times where i was like oh there there's no there's no connection here yeah you know and yeah. and it did sort of make that the zombie story sort of stand on its own and you know what this story doesn't have the Lochnar in it at all no, it doesn't. Well, let's get into the story. So, yeah, yeah. so this one right here, we, we're, we're basically a bunch of aliens uh, uh, on a spaceship, and uh, we cut to Earth, and you don't really get to know exactly what's happening, but apparently from all the conversation that's going on, there's just some green mist that's turning people into mutants, right? And everyone's sort of in, a, in, a, in an uproar about it. You know, no one knows what's happening. There's sort of chaos, but it's, it's organized. Like, you know, society's still functioning, but something's happening. Well, that's where I, that's where I felt there might have been a connection, was whatever happened on this island was happening elsewhere. It was kind of slowly spreading out. Slowly spreading outwards, and maybe, yeah, maybe it was like, oh, good call. So, like, maybe even though that was World War too it still took time for the for the green ooze yeah. to sort of expand outwards and sure. maybe that was a concept that they were going to expand from that cut yes. scene beforehand potentially i could see that yeah no me too <laughs> that's a good one i like but I, I will say like the when they're cutting to the pentagon the, i forget what song was playing but it just didn't connect and i think that's what kind of like kind of put me off for this whole segment was that opening song where it's like it just doesn't fit yeah with what's going on in the episode you know, the beginning the, part of the, the episode is is my least favorite part of this segment. Yeah. So so we have this scientist guy going in to talk to this like UN sort of meeting. You know, there's like you know uh, senators there. You know, clearly it was supposed to be Ted Kennedy kind of senator. Yeah. You know, and just these archetypes of like you know government officials. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. And. Knowing that Ivan Reitman did Stripes right before this, like you can kind of see where he's sort of poking fun at people in power in both movies and and especially in this segment here. And the scientist guy, is he's basically saying there's no such thing as aliens, nothing's going to happen. Then you pan to the outside of the Pentagon and there's this giant UFO, like comically giant. (laughs) It's, yeah. Giant UFO above them. It's just like, it's just sitting there. It's not even trying to be hidden. It's just there. And I got to say, my wife just, it tickled her to no end. She, she giggled her ass off on that one with that giant UFO. And, uh, and, and they suck up the scientist guy 
and by accident a girl. Well, but doesn't the scientist yeah. guy start trying to rape her? Sorry, basically? yeah. So, so, so. The oh, only, sorry, he's having sex with her. So the only connection I think with the Lochnar <laughs> in this one, she has a green gem. That's her connection, right? That's the Lochnar. She, it's, it's like, it's like this again, the size of a marble, and it's on like her, her brooch, like yes. a pennant or something. Yeah, and it's green, and that's all there is. And I think we're supposed to assume that it's the Lochnar. Yeah, but you're right. The scientist guy, he sees it and he freaks the fuck out, and he basically like tries to have sex with her right yeah, on the table. In front of everyone. Her. Like literally, it, she's screaming, so and you could not do that scene today. <laughs> it's not no. appropriate, and it's just it's not it's it's not <laughs> it's not appropriate at all. But they got away with it back in eighty one, and because well, uh, everything was sex crazed back then. Yeah, it was, it was totally normal. You know, it's to be a sex crazed guy. Yeah, and then people talk about that now. It's like, well, you couldn't make Porky's now. Oh, you couldn't make Revenge of the Nerds now. Well, like, yeah, well, duh. Of course you couldn't. Back then, that's what was going on. So let's forget about all the <laughs> movements right now. Focus on the fact that everything was sex crazy back yeah. then. And everything was like all about nerdy guys. Because nerdy guys were writing and making these movies. Ivan Reitman was like this nerdy guy who's like, oh my gosh, yeah, you know. Dude, watch the Hell documentary. Rainous. There's not a single there's not a single girl in that documentary. They're all dudes. <laughs> well, gee, I wonder why. And they are the nerdiest motherfuckers you have ever seen. I think Kevin Eastman's the only, like, the best looking dude on there, you know. And, and he, uh, got, he got Julie Strain. Yeah, he did. He did. Is, are they still together? Well, she's got... Uh, early set, said dementia. Oh, that which sucks. Is really a bummer because yeah. she's well. It's the bummer for anyone to get yeah. dementia, but she's gorgeous and like she, she was, was an icon. She was yeah, scream scream queen icon, pin up icon, mm-hmm. and like she has no brain function basically. Oh man, that fucking. Sucks. I don't know if it's that bad, but it's pretty bad. Yeah, I feel. I, feel I don't think she's bad for her and for okay. I think they are divorced. I think they have some kids together. Okay, uh, but whoever is kind of taking care of her now, yeah. Oh, that sucks. Yeah. Sorry. So, just if you guys don't know, um, Kevin Eastman, he is one of the two creators of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Um, if you if you look at the old comics, they say on top of them, uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. They say Eastman and Leard. Uh, I think Leard was the the writer, and Kevin Eastman was the artist. And he basically parlayed his money. He took his TMNT money and he bought Heavy Metal. He bought the magazine, oh, wow. the publisher. Yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah, dude. Cool. He he owns Heavy Metal even now. So he he bought Heavy Metal. I think late nineties, okay. um, if I remember correctly. And then he produced Heavy Metal two thousand with his wife Julie Strain yep. as the main protagonist. Except in Heavy Metal two thousand, it was a full feature length animated film with no. It was not an anthology at all, no. and it bombed. Yeah. it was terrible. It was. It coincided with the final with the DVD release of the of the original Heavy Metal. Yeah, I think I don't even know if you can get Heavy Metal two thousand on Blu Ray. To be truthful with you, I mean you can get obviously Heavy Metal on Blu Ray, but. Yeah. I don't know if you can get Heavy Metal 2000 on it. No. And trust me, I don't think you really want to see it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've seen it like once. Yeah. And I did not like it. Yeah. There's a lot of boobs in it. <laughs> I still didn't like it. <laughs> but, but to go back to your point of like everybody's a, well, what, what we were both saying, this, you know, all these nerds were like, oh my God, this is so amazing. So, you know, clearly this like nerdy guy is making out with this chick raping her and uh or turning to him and he turns out she's a robot he's a robot yeah right? so he gets su- they get sucked up um into the aliens suck 
the scientist up through this tube. It's like a straw, but they actually suck up the girl as well, you know, by accident. Yeah. But as they're they're moving through the tubes, the the scientist guy basically falls apart, and you realize that he's a robot. Yeah. And this other robot and these two aliens are like, oh man, now I got to fix this guy. And now you're starting to see, you know, who the aliens are. And then the girl lands, and they're like, oh shit, like they didn't mean to suck her up, no. you know. Uh, but <laughs> but she's hot, so the robot the, the robot instantly moves in on her. Yeah. Uh, vo- Voiced by John Candy, by the way. Yes, and this, Harold Ramis is the voice of the green-looking robot and, or, uh, alien. Yes, so so this the reason my wife loves this uh, segment so much is because of Harold Ramis. Um, she's a huge Ghostbusters fan. She's a huge Harold Ramis fan. Who she looks re- like Greedo, by the way. Yeah, he does look like Greedo. Yeah. And uh, she's she's like, you know what? I got to give it to to this segment. She's like, because of Harold Ramis. And later when they're trying to land the ship, that tickled her to no oh, end. Oh, yeah, it's great. But um, so the robot hits on the human girl that they sucked up and he you know and she he's like you're never going back like we can't take you back now you yeah. know and uh but she's very nonchalant about it and he basically picks her up and takes her back to his room and then the two aliens Harold Ramis and the other guy are like oh man the first earth girl we see and like was like 10 parsecs or whatever yeah. and the robot always gets her you know yeah, they're like the Cheech and Chong basically yeah so they they're totally doing like a stonery type of vibe you know all all the shit that you've, you've always heard. Amen. Yo, like total that, but they're aliens. Yeah. Right. And that's, that's the joke. So while they're making their, uh, you know, track across space and doing cocaine, they do massive amounts of cocaine, Ripping cocaine, <laughs> like, like a vacuum cleaners worth of like cocaine. And they're just like destroyed. And of course they call it something else, but it's a white powder. It's cocaine. You know, it's exactly clearly cocaine. It yeah. And then, uh, you cut to, uh, you cut to the, uh, the alien, uh, I'm sorry, the, the robot guy, he just had finished having sex with the, the lady and they go on this, like they do this long bit of them going through this relationship basically. And, to the yeah. point where they're almost getting married at the end. And yeah. she's like, but I want to have a Jewish wedding and, <laughs> yeah. you know, and this and that. And it's it's funny. I liked it. But I think at the end of the day, the payoff for this whole thing was watching the aliens land the ship. Yeah. So they fly through space. And this the ship is massive. They already established the ship is massive um, when it was over top of the Pentagon. So you got a, a sense of scale there, right? The, the spaceship that they're flying. So they're coin, coming up to a, a basically a giant space station in space. But it's funny because it's like there's McDonald's there. Yeah. You know, they spell it McDonald's, you know. There's all these, like, it's so very, like, commerce Is this when uh, Hager's song started playing? Yes. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. And and basically That's they, part of the segment they try to land the ship and it's like the biggest like garage opening that you could possibly go through and and now you find out that the ship is tiny compared to like the opening yeah and they barely make it because they're <laughs> yeah. so fucking they're high so they ba- barely so make high. it yeah. and they like they nail the side of it when they had like miles yes. you know and they hit the <laughs> side of it and then they basically crash land and yeah. uh and, and that's that's kind of how that one and, and then and that's it. Yeah, that one's it. That's the story. So you didn't like that one? No, I just felt disjointed from everything else. Uh, and and look, definitely were it was funny. And for everything that you said, that was entertaining. It was my least favorite of the movie. Right. Okay. That doesn't necessarily if make I, it like terrible, but it's, no, it's your least favorite. No, one. No. 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 Definitely not terrible because you got to just take all of these with a grain of salt. You can't just go. Well, this is a yeah. matchup with you. This is like an like you said, it's an art house fun midnight cult film so there's it's got to be flawed you just gotta let all that go you just gotta let it go baby but i just love the uh finally hearing hagar singing you know it's your one-way ticket to midnight 
I love that song. Heavy metal noise. Dude, I love that fucking song, man. Hagar. <laughs> yeah, Hagar, man. He's fucking awesome. Read his I'm, book. You know what? I'm I'm a, I'm a Hagar fan. I'm a Van so Hagar fan. Me too. Yeah. And I'm telling you, if you've not read his biography, you should do it. Okay. Because it's it is a page turner. No shit. And it's inspiring. Oh wow. Yeah, the guy is the guy is a self made millionaire. Good for him, dude. Yeah. That's awesome, yeah. man. I remember back in the day, like especially when we were growing up, people would shit on like Hagar because I I like David Lee Roth, but Hagar's my Van Halen. Hagar dude. owns up to who he is. And, yeah. And and and. and and he's, yeah, he's successful. So after this one, we have a little, of course, one more bookend, right, with the the girl in the Loch Nahr. I think overall, the way that they lined these segments up, it had a very ebb and flow. It would go yeah. high, low, high, low, you know? That makes sense. Yeah. I, I think they did a good job not putting, like, the dumb ones back-to-back type of thing. Yeah. Like, it, it broke it up, and they kept the ones that were, quote-unquote, maybe a little bit more, you know, boring. Like, maybe this one in Stern or something. And this is segueing into... One of the, well, the most adventurous but dark episodes of... Yeah. Equally dark. Yeah, and probably the best one out of everything. You yeah, know, I going think overall into story arc. So it, it was nice to have a little palate cleanser, yeah. I think, going into it. Okay. And, and run me over. Rewatching it, I think I think Captain Stern's probably my least favorite of all of them. And it's yeah. funny because as a kid, me and my buddy Luke used to get super excited about Stern. We'd be like... Burning's too good for him, hanging. And we would say that all the time. He needs to be torn up in itsy bitsy pieces and buried alive. <laughs> like we used to say that like all the time. Yeah. Because it's very wrestling esque. Oh, yeah, totally. it's, it's kind of funny. And uh, but as I've gotten older, I think I think the Captain Stern ones I don't love that one as much. And I yeah. thought this one was a little bit funnier. Yeah, no, I I I'm I will agree with you on that. Nice. That was easy uh, to convince you. Ding ding. <laughs> Yeah, so like you said, we're going into the the Tarna story now, which is pretty much the cover story, essentially. <laughs> yeah, the cover story, and, and yeah, and, and she, yeah, she's the iconic heavy metal heroine. Yeah, yeah, did it, it? Yeah, she's. I mean, yeah, she's a heroine, um, and and scantily clad for sure. Uh, but uh, she's she's oh, basically yeah, she's what's on the cover of the movie. She's the character on the the poster of yes. the, the heavy metal movie. So. We cut to, basically, uh, we open on this, like, it's like a weird alien-looking world, but still, like, populated by humans, but there's, like, some fantasy elements to it, like, you know, giant skeletons that are, you know, creatures that are too big, and uh, it has kind of, like, a Mad Max vibe to it, but we, like, basically cut to this, like, this world that's, like, it doesn't look like it's very prosperous at this point, no. you know, and it's, it's a Western too. Yeah. It's, it's definitely a Western, definitely like it's, it's Mad Max, but sort of in space maybe yes. esque, yeah, you know, for sure. and metal storm. I've never seen that movie. You oh. may have to put that one on the yes, list too. For sure. And here the Loch Nahr is like a freaking meteor. It's, yeah. it's huge. Yeah. And it lands, like it crashes into this, this giant mountain and this group of people see it happen, and like a huge, a big group of people, and they basically trek their way up to the mountain to see, like, hey, what, what is this? You know, what is this giant thing that fell out of the sky? And once they get close to the mountain, to the point where they can't escape, the the volcano, the mountain sort of lets out like a green ooze that mm-hmm. covers everybody, and basically turns them evil. Yep. And and they basically, you know, they rise out of the ooze. Their skin is green, and you know, they've some. Sometimes they have helmets, just helmets on. You know, like uh, their outfits somehow changed yeah, by, the, by the ooze. The leader got a rad helmet. That's a really a cool fucking helmet. It's, yeah, he looks amazing. He looks badass. I wrote that. It's, I said he's got he, the metal storm dude gets a rad helmet and becomes a zombie. Basically, <laughs> it's That's like not the, bad. you know. <laughs> 
I like that, man. I, I want to fuck it. If I'm going to be a zombie, I want to have a rad helmet, man. Hey, look, if, yeah, if the gods have any sort of favor over us, they can do us a solid and give us something cool to adorn our, adorn our uh, you know. Do me a solid. Give me a rad helmet. Give me a solid and give me a rad helmet. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> Sprinkle some happy dust in there. Come and, on. And he's the only one that comes out with like a new outfit. Well, he doesn't even have a new outfit. His outfit's the same. Yeah, he just gets been, a helmet. He just gets a helmet. Yeah, he's been deemed leader. By yeah. Oh, good point. Okay. So that's why he has yeah. the helmet's the leader point. Oh, yeah. okay. See, that's why I like talking to you about See, this, this shit, man. You pick up done. on stuff. <laughs> and because and, and, it's different, too, because having always seen this my whole life, I, I'm, I'm having a hard time looking at it a little bit more critically. I just sort of take it for granted, you know? And you, But it's nice to have a nice a different point of view on Fresh that. Fresh perspective. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. And then mob rules, right? Dude, mob fucking rules. So, so this newly created oh, so good. mob of, like, green bad guys. But they're not zombies. They're just, they're just bad. They can still yeah. communicate. They're not always bad, but yeah. they're always sort of bad. They're, they're, they're like dicks. the Night they're of the Zombies zombies. Yeah. They're like being controlled, or, sort I mean, of. Sorry, Night of the Comet Zombies. Right. I, I knew what you meant. <laughs> Sadly, I knew what you meant. Yeah, of course you did. <laughs> We're twins. Um, so they basically attack, which I guess you can probably guess is like the main city in this ta- in this world. Yeah. You know, um, it's it's the enlightened city. They don't have any defenses, so they're easily overrun. But one of the things I really fucking liked about the design of this segment is the the weapons that they use. They're like they're like machine gun bow and arrow shooters. Yeah. I really thought that was really neat. Like sort of pump action. They would fire these arrows. It was an it was a cool little Western meets high technology. Very Brave Star, right? Oh yeah, super Brave Star. Brave Star um Black Star, like that idea. Even the 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 winged creature, I feel like Black Star definitely picked up off of that because Black Star came out, I think, actually around around the same time, um, and it definitely has that look to it. Yeah, I, yeah. I, something about people love the future, being on another planet, like being primitive yet futuristic at the same time because there's a lot of metal tubes going everywhere which i thought was a cool aesthetic but so like you have the idea that maybe this planet was prosperous before and now it's just dried up in a barren sort of wasteland and you have all these relics of of older times not just like skeletons of monsters but like of bigger societies and stuff trying to Um, hold on to the hold on to what they have but the planet's probably dying basically you know um so these these marauders attack this town you don't know why they just do they're just evil that's the point there's nothing else like nothing deeper there the no. Lochnar just made them evil and it's a slaughter they just fucking slaughter the place and, and that little bald kid in his the, the little bald kid that that disturbed Myra I think on uh, on multiple levels uh the the the, the baldness the 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 Na- half nakedness and then his gruesome death which we'll, we'll get to in a second it was really gruesome yeah it was pretty fucking gruesome but so you, we cut to this scene of like these elders um, sort of discussing like what to do and, and they suck that they can't defend the place themselves so they're like we need to call on the Tarakians yes. right and they're all dead though uh oh what do we do well apparently there's one left and her name is Tarna, Tarna. And the only way they can communicate with her is to chant and pray for her, basically. They don't they can't like call her on a cell phone or pager or anything no. like that. They have to <laughs> chant for her. And while they're doing that, this little bald kid who's like their page and uh my wife 
said is that they're sex slaves. Uh, <laughs> he's always like, I mean, he's not a kid. He's just, I mean, he looks like, a, I mean, he's probably like 18 or something. He's yeah. not like a child, but like he's wearing like these weird little like underwear pants, you know, and, and whatnot. It's very, it's very odd. It's an odd design choice. Even as a kid, I was like, that's a little weird. Yeah. He was very uh, off-putting. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> so he's trying to like bar the door and he doesn't succeed and he gets fucking gunned down by yeah. these arrows like <laughs> in his fucking <laughs> throat man yeah. Yeah. and so like he falls like on the ground the camera just like stays on him while he's <laughs> trying long. to dude he's trying to pull the fucking arrow out of his neck and he's choking on his own fucking blood and then he fucking dies and then his eyes his pupils like get small like all in like one take it's disturbing <laughs> It is. It, right? Like, yeah. It reminded me a little bit of uh, the death of what's-his-face in Flash Gordon, the, uh, the the Iron Mask guy, uh, when he goes through the spikes and they show his eyeball popping out of his head. It right? That idea of like... like da, 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 da. It's like sometimes, you know, you think things are going to be just gruesome, but they turn into like gruesome and disturbing. Yeah. <laughs> the all-round disturbing. Yeah. Um, so So basically... Uh, you cut from there, and you know they—they they obviously you know they're gonna die, right? Like that's that's all that's gonna happen. And they have one of the best transitions from that kid's lifeless dead body uh, with the spears in it. Did you notice that it fades into this like construction device that has spears in it? That was yeah. a really cool trans like fade. Yeah, this this was this one was the most thought out episode of the the whole series. Yeah, the, I agree. The segment, yeah. And I, and I think this is something um I'm not 100% but I'm I'm fairly certain that this is actually something that was created for the the movie heavy metal. It's not based on a source material. They okay. saw some stuff that Mobius did that the world looked like that. Um, they, they mentioned in the documentary what, what the, the name of that, that one story was. That it looks very, like the world looked like that, but Tarna wasn't in it. Like they just took the visual aesthetic of the world and then inserted like this story here. Okay. So maybe that's why this one works so well is because yeah. it was written for a movie. For like, the movie, yeah. Yeah, beginning, it has a beginning, middle, and end. It really you know? does. Um, so you have this transition, this really cool shot of Tarna, or you don't know it at the time, but this, this woman sort of flying over um, all this landscape on this like weird bird chicken thing, hairless bird chicken thing, yeah. I guess. Yeah. Um, it's neat looking. Yeah. I like the design of it. And it's what she's riding on the cover of the of the, the, the Blu-ray, the, yep. the, the movie poster. And she basically does this really neat dive into this this like pit of tubes i guess which is really cool has this like sort of it feels old but yet modern at the same time and then she goes down to this like temple under way underground and she has to basically swim across this pool she gets naked my wife yells boobs and uh she she swims across this pool and basically gets you know dressed into her battle armor which is nothing essentially but it's so badass though because it's so awesome because she's like she's putting it on they they show they show her putting it on like one strap at a time and it's very sexy, very uh, provocative, beautiful. Like she's hot, you know. I mean, this one is all rotoscoped. Like you can tell anytime Tarna yeah, is like, moving at all is rotoscoped. Use, who did they use for this segment? I I, I saw it on um, like on Wikipedia. I think it was like some Danish like bot actress or something okay. like you know but probably someone who clearly had probably no problem getting naked and just walking around sure. you know while a bunch of goons <laughs> nerds watched her you know and then painted on top of her essentially yeah. scientists from the pentagon basically <laughs> but uh yeah every scene with with tarna she is rotoscoped 
like crazy. Like all of her movements are crazy smooth yeah. and, and everything. But you're right. That that scene, man, of her getting dressed, it it's everything. It's it's sexual, it's badass, it's it's everything you fucking want, man. It's 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 oh, awesome. Yeah. And in her costume, it's at this point it's iconic. Her, the Tarn Tarna's costume is iconic. Oh yeah. It's it's iconic in its nudity, basically. For sure. I mean she's really just has a few straps on and then boots and a and a, and then a gauntlety thing. Yep. None of which helps her in the end. No, it doesn't because <laughs> she basically, yeah, she has to, she starts from scratch yeah. in a little bit. Yeah. But uh, it's it's a badass scene, man. Uh, Tarna's really fucking cool looking with her white hair and her white bush <laughs> and everything. It's really the fucking cool. The carpets match the drapes. Dude, they, they had to. I think with the uh, the queen too, her her hair was like orangish red oh, yeah. and so was her, her, her carpet. There, well. had, there was plenty of continuity. There are a few <laughs> the, that was the, scenes. <laughs> the best continuity they had was the, uh, the carpets match Matching the drapes in this whole movie. <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't even know. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So, basically, she gets ready and all that kind of stuff. And so now she leaves, leaves you know, where, where she was, like, whatever that temple was, you know. And yeah. now she's flying with a purpose, you know, over the landscape. And she, you know, goes back to the city that was, you know, destroyed. That's that's her mandate is, you know, if, she, if you can't help the people, you have to avenge them. That's, yes. like, sort of her mandate. And she goes there and she just finds everyone dead. You know, the mar- marauders have already left. And she finds, like, the main elder guy with his head cut off. And he's holding, he's clutching, like, this pennant. You know, and that's what she's going to use to basically track these guys down. I said he looked like Doctor Strange. Yeah, that um, my wife said the exact same thing. The other guy, yeah, he looked like Doctor Strange because he had the the dark hair with the white weird, you know, the white things on the side, yeah. the white hair on the side. Yeah, yeah, he looked like Doctor Strange. Um, and so she she takes that pendant, and so that's that's like her lead. You know what I mean? She's like, okay, I got a lead now. So now she basically tracks down, you know, using the amulet, she tracks down some of the Marauders to this like saloon thing. She and she sees like, of course, they have they have bats. That she they fly on versus her like beautiful chicken bird thing, yeah. and uh, so she goes into the saloon, and we are treated with a cameo, right? From, Devo, yeah. yeah, that's badass. So, so is, are those are all the people in that that weird ass band? They're supposed to be Devo, like one for one. I don't think so, but I, I, I mean, I'm not I'm not sure. I didn't really look that. I didn't research that, but. It, I get the sense that that's what they're going for. Yeah, because they were super weird, like this like weird funky band with yeah. weird instruments that don't make any fucking sense. Yeah, and you're like you have to be cybernetic to sort of play them and yeah. everything. And uh, a few of these green guys are of course being dicks because it doesn't seem like they're like so bad that they have to kill everyone around them. Like they're not zombies, no. but they're always dicks. Yeah. You know, like if they go into a bar, they're gonna be dicks yeah, in they're, there. They're just they're, yeah. the, the, they they become the dredge of you know. Of, of humanity yeah so they're yeah they're basically dicks and they you know they try to make a move on her she doesn't talk at all by the way in this whole thing so no. they try to make a move on her she fucking just pulls out her fucking sword and cuts her fucking head off yeah she beheaded she, them just straight up beheads them Shing. and it's so awesome it's, it's awesome so like squishy yeah. and thumpy that's when that heads. get up and clap moment like yes She's a badass. She's really fucking cool, man. Yeah. Her, her her sword, that yellow sword, man, yeah. that's fucking badass. Yeah. So everyone's like, oh, my God, you know. And uh, so, she, you know, she she goes to the, the bartender and shows him the pendant. So now, you know, he's like, it's a, they're over there. You know, the Marauders are over by the mountain, the Green Mountain. Well, she probably could have figured that out on yeah. her own, but okay. The Marauders <laughs> are over by the Green Mountain. She goes flying there, and she gets captured uh, en route, basically, with some nets and everything. And... Uh, they find out that 
she is a Terrakian because she's got the symbol on her neck, and she's the last of the Terrakians. And the main bad guy, which I don't think we have his, we ever got his name or no, did we? I called him Trapjaw because oh. he looked like he had the Trapjaw arm with the you know with the the, the buzzsaw. Yeah, 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 dude. I love uh, I love Trapjaw, man. One of my favorite He Man characters <laughs> as a kid, and because of that, I always liked people with robotic limbs. Yeah, thought it was really fucking cool. <laughs> So the the main bad guy Trapjaw, he's like he's like oh, that's you know Taraki, and we got you know we got to kill her. So basically, they strip her and then bring her to him, even though he was standing over there, I guess. Yeah. But they strip her and bring her to him, and he's like he basically just whips her. Yeah, I don't know why he didn't just kill her right there. She was she was you know tied down on a table. Wants to punish her. Yeah, you know that always thing. Torture her. A little bit, but but then he throws her down a pit that she survives, and yeah. they throw her clothes down at her. Yeah. So I don't really know what's going on there. <laughs> no, she just killed her. But I guess there would be no story at that point. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> and then he orders, of course, he orders the execution of the the bird creature. The bird creature escapes. Yes. you know, and uh, which I like that scene where the guy gets shot in the back. With That's that, so badass, right? It's yeah. like this point of view, like a first person shootery sort yeah. of point of view with with uh, the gun. Yeah. And uh, shoots his own dude in the back, so basically. Great. Yeah, that was really fucking cool. Yeah, that and because and you don't expect that. It's super unexpected that the that her her flying companion is gonna be like Battle Cat, where it's it, it's not just it's not just a, a vehicle. It's it's an actual character. Yeah, and it's her. it's actually a, a capable character. Yes, an important character too. Yeah, comes to the plot. Comes, yeah, clearly agreed. Yeah, a hundred percent. Yeah, it's <clears throat> it's really cool. I like what they did with it. I mean. Obviously, you know, weirdness aside of like, why didn't they just kill her, you know, right then and there? It was, it was definitely a fun episode and it kept going. Like the pace of it was, was a lot of fun. It just, yeah. it, was, it moved quickly. It was like the old James Bond thing, you know, like, oh, I'm going to hook you up and then to this device and you will die in 30 seconds if you don't figure out how to unlock it. And when I say unlock it, I mean by taking the buckle off and then removing that buckle will set you free. But I'm not going to let you do that, am I? <laughs> oh. Yeah, it's a it's a trope, man. Yeah. That that trope just doesn't fly anymore. It doesn't, People, not anymore. No, it really doesn't. It, if they remade this Tarna thing, they would have to change that that, yeah. that aspect. I, I think. Yeah, and I'm sure the nudity would have to be toned down a little bit. <laughs> yes. God, that would suck if they made a if they made a heavy metal remake without any nudity. What if Disney bought it? I feel oh, like I need, I want to say so much, but at the same time, too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Back you in might, the day. You might, you might want to work sometime, too. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you are exactly. a voiceover actor, so. <laughs> back, in, back in the day, this was totally acceptable. In my day, we could show whatever we wanted. <laughs> so the the bird creature goes uh goes and basically saves her yep. and you know he swoops down in there he, he he basically saves her but then they don't make it too far uh they get shot out of the air uh the, the bad guys go in pursuit and they're in their bat creature thingies yep. and they get shot out of the air and they land in like a you know like a, a quarry type of thing yep. so of course main bad guy trap jaw he's gonna want to go i gotta do this one-on-one you know i'm gonna go fight her one-on-one kill yep. her myself he jumps down there he shows off his little crazy blade fan <laughs> by cutting through a pipe by cutting through a metal pipe he's yep. like oh, i'm badass Ching. man yep trap jaw all the way baby <laughs> zatarn is like she knows what she got to do right she got to handle her business at this point but her bird's fucked up her again her bird gets fucked up again like this is the second time now he's like damaged and uh so he's like out of commission so he's she can't the jorah go of uh of uh characters he's the what he's the jorah <laughs> yeah <laughs> just keeps on going yeah yeah um 
So so we have this like really cool little little fight. You know, at first Tarna doesn't do well at the beginning. His yep. his blade hand kind of you know gets gets the better of her. She gets some deep cuts in her man. Yes, like the arm cut and that <laughs> side cut. That is yeah. some meat. Like you see the fucking meat. That's like to the bone. Yes, uh, you ain't using that arm afterwards. No. There's no butterfly band aids that are gonna help. No, that boy. no, not a million in the world will no. put that arm back on. <laughs> she's gonna lose it. So she's she's bleeding like a sieve and she's fucked up. And he's about to kill her, but the bird saves her. The yes. bird comes, like, grabs his foot and starts dragging him away, but then he fucking, like, fucks the bird up again. Jorah has one last shot. One last shot. Save Khaleesi. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so, like, you know, that sort of galvanizes her because, you know, seeing her buddy get killed, or you know, maybe, we don't know. And, you know, so she basically fucking takes that guy's blade thing and shoves it in his own chest. That's amazing. Which was amazing, but then my favorite shot happens where... He's on like he's on his knees, she's standing up, the camera's from behind his head essentially, and you're looking at her, but he's in the way. She punches him in the face. You don't even see it, but it goes so deep that her whole hand is covered in in his green blood. Yep. So you basically know that she just caved his fucking face in. <laughs> yeah. And dude, I think that's so fucking bad. Oh yeah. She didn't cut his head off. She punched his face in. <laughs> That's cool. That is cool. She's a badass heroine. And yeah. I, I don't know if it was that scene or I think it was halfway through. My wife was like, I like her. Yeah. She's fucking awesome. Yeah. This is, you know, nudity aside and sexual exploitation aside. Yeah. They created a really strong archetype, you know, where they, that, that, that people could be proud of and look at this and say, you know what? No, this is a strong female character. She, she, her, her whole goal was, was like honor bound. Yep. Um, no guy had to, had to save her. Um, she did pretty much everything herself, except for the one time when the, the bird kind of ate Trapjaw's leg, you yeah. know, got her that leg up. But I, I don't think anyone take, like that always happens with guys too in movies, right? Like the horse will do something to save, you know, like that's not something that will take away from her badassery. Well, yeah, the villain was the, like the ultimate tough guy, the ultimate, you know, uh, he had all the power. She had to. She had to have a little bit of assistance. But they all. Every hero always does. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 awesome, man. She yeah. was a really cool She's fucking great. character. I, I liked her a lot. Yeah. And that kind of like so she basically the the bird isn't dead. They they she flies basically into the the Lochnar the mountain Lochnar. She charges herself with some kind of electricity beam and flies into the Lochnar, destroying it. Then you cut to the bookends and. It blows up there too. Yep. It, it basically that destroys her there too, and then the girl runs out of the house. The house explodes um, with this little model shot of the house, and then that bird creature lands, and you find out that that girl is a is basically the one the last of the Tarakians, yep. even though it's Earth and the bird creature just kind of came out of nowhere, and that was it. I know. I mean, you can make your own like uh, uh, implications where she came. Was this a prehistoric version of the of Earth, or you know? Was she transported? Yeah. Who knows? But that's kind of how they wrap it up, where she becomes she becomes Tarna. Yeah. Or a version of Tarna and and the new Khaleesi. Basically. And flies away and, and flies away. We've got our movie. That's it. That's a, that's that's it. That's that's the movie right there. The the climax is, is Tarna. So what uh what, what do you think, bud? Oh, I mean overall it brought back all the feels of when I was a kid of like you, you know, remembering how groundbreaking this film was in so many ways 
uh, boner breaking in so many ways. <laughs> but I give this three boners up. Um, but overall, like so enjoyable, such a fun ride and such a great trip down memory lane nostalgia. You know, I, I, I think that's what I love so much about our podcast is that we're taking movies that I haven't watched in, in a really long time and, and tapping back into, okay, when I was a kid, I love this movie. Do I still love it? Yeah, I'd say overall, I still think I would watch this movie hands down anytime again. You Are you know? glad you own the Blu-ray? Oh, absolutely. It's, it was, it's only like, what was it, like nine bucks? Like nine on, bucks? On Amazon? You think about it, like, nothing costs nine bucks nowadays, which is really crazy. Yeah. But um, but that final segment was, yeah, it's so much fun. I mean, uh, yeah, my 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 son, Bodie, goes, uh, he's like, you know, can I watch this? I said, nah, for 20 years. <laughs> <laughs> Not that long, but anyways. No, no overall, it was amazing. So, I so much, and again, that soundtrack was the was the kick ass part of it, and the the, the voice acting um, stories were bonkers. Plenty of plenty of titties to fulfill all those fantasies. To fulfill know? all those titty fantasies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I give it two boners up. <laughs> um, yeah, man, I, I'm I'm with you, bud. I, I think I've seen it more than you in my adult life, but I'm with you. Every time I watch it, I kind of find something new about it. Uh, I, I I love it. I'm always going to love it, but I'm happy that I can see new perspective on things when I watch it with different people. Like, you know, like it was kind of cool. Like, you know, yeah, it's, it's as a kid, I was like, oh yeah, the Captain Stern was always my favorite. And I'm like, eh, it's not that great, you know? But, yeah. But then I actually like my wife's enjoyment of the, of the Harold Ramis one, the alien one kind of made me like that one a little bit more. So it's, it's kind of neat that the same movie can give you different enjoyability out of it, you know? But at the end of the day, I love the Tarna one, and I love the the B fifty two bombers are probably my my two favorite, obviously. Um, and and Harry Canyon was great too. Uh, this movie is just fantastic. Yeah, go out there and if you haven't watched this, de- definitely. Hopefully, we've given you uh, enough insight to to want to watch it. Because even though we've broken down the whole film, watching it's a totally different experience. Yeah, you, you're, you may know what's coming, but who cares? Like that's part of the fun. And and moving forward, you know. We're going to be picking up a lot of weird movies that some people probably think are shitty. We're not trying to do a how this get made. Like, yeah. whole, I mean, obviously, we may not like movies rewatching them, but that's not our intention going in. We're not going into some of these movies thinking that they're going to be bad. They may turn out to be bad, but that we're not going in with the intention to shit on them. No. So I hope, uh, so I think next uh, next episode, we are going to be doing Class of 84. Class of 1984. Class of 1984, which I have never seen. Oh, you're in and, for a treat. And I think as a kid, I always got confused with the class of Newcomb High, like the covers, you know, like, or when people talk about it now, I can't in my head picture which is which. Yeah. Um, so I'm excited to see it, and I'm, I, I hope I like it. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I'm not going in to go watch it and be like, I, I'm not expecting to like it. I'm, I'm excited to see it. I think you will. And it's not, uh, it's funny because uh, posters were always a way to describe the movie to an audience. That poster gives you a different feel of what the movie is actually overall. Okay, so, great. That's that's cool, man. Yeah. I'm I'm excited to dive into that, and I I can't wait to hear your thoughts on it. And I, I dude, I love talking about heavy metal with you, man. This, this is awesome. This is a lot of fun. Zach, where where can we find you uh, both uh, online and in podcasts? Online, you can find me on Instagram at uh, at Zach Schaefer, and that's Z A K S H A F F E R. Uh, I'm also on Twitter at Zach Schaefer V O, and 
I'm doing the podcast with my good buddy Dustin Rubin called $2 Late Fee. You can check that out on all the uh, iTunes and whatnot. And, uh, yeah, that's about it. Nice. I'm, uh, I'm on Instagram at Corey Nation. And you can find me on a couple podcasts. I'm on one called Cartwright, a Seinfeld podcast with my buddy Adam. And I'm also on one called NSFW Gamer with my buddy Noah. And you can occasionally find me on the Blast from Our Past podcast, uh, specifically the sequels and the uh, Monster Squad episode are, are some good ones. And uh, yeah, man, we'll be, we'll be doing this. And we hope you guys like it. And just so you guys know, we're recording this super early. We haven't set everything up yet. But we will have an email address and everything for you guys probably next episode. That'll be what I do next. Uh, so we can shoot that out for you guys can be a part of the conversation. Yeah. And, you know, hit us up and let us know what you think of these movies and, you know, talk and we'll we'll, we'll talk about it on the air and everything. Share your thoughts. We want to know them and uh, what you like, what you didn't like, all that good stuff. That's right. So next up, Class of 1984. Coming at you. Be sure to subscribe to Podcasting After Dark and give us a five-star rating on iTunes. Support Podcasting After Dark on Patreon. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Podcasting After Dark. And visit us next time for another installment of Podcasting After Dark with Corey Stevenson and Zach Schaefer. Zach Schaefer.